So do do what you gotta do with the cards. First one I looked at. Sick. <laughs> how fitting. I like it. That's that's. Do you know how cool that's gonna be on the Instagram? It's just gonna say death. Perfect. <laughs> All right. It's cool. a sick looking card too. I reckon so many people have secretly wanted this card on the show, and I'm really glad that you got to keep this card. You know, this is yours now. I think this card picked me. <laughs> Death is a card of an ending before an utter transformation. It is like the caterpillar in a cocoon on the verge of becoming a butterfly. <laughs> <laughs> it is time to get rid of what is no longer useful. Seek closure before moving on. You may be about to end a job, move house, end a relationship. This may be... This may not be an easy change, but is necessary for your maturation and well-being. If you've been feeling stuck, this card is advising you to look around, look around you, and decide what to let go of. Only when you free up stagnant energy will you will new things come to you. If you're going through a time of painful loss, find solace in knowing that you will look back at this time as the beginning of a new chapter in your life. Let go and trust in the universe. That's pretty much how a tarot card would read yeah <laughs> that is uh poignant and to the point if that's not the same thing that can be different things that <laughs> yeah. can be whatever you want it to be tarot is i like this card though man this is an awesome card just to look at that's, can you can you describe it for the listeners before it we is cut a to skeleton music? in a full black suit of armor riding a pale horse holding a flag a black flag with some kind of white flower on it walking over I thought it was dead people, but it's just a river. And people are kneeling in fear. And the sun is, I'm going to say, setting in the background. But it could be rising. I'm going to choose to say it's setting. I'm going to say it's setting too. That's a fucking cool card. It does kind of look like he's, he's trampling over someone. Someone's being trampled. Is it? Yeah, there's like a little white-haired person down there, I think. Yeah, someone's dead. <laughs> How fitting. How fitting. <laughs> Welcome to Fucky Tarot Lady, episode 26. My guest today, Tim Anderson, the famed Tim Anderson. You've been oh. talked about on this show, I think, more than anyone else. I, I do pop up. I do exist, everyone. I'm here now. Thank you for nagging me just enough for making me actually be here. You're, uh, you're not on Instagram, but you are... But you, I feel like I'm going to tag a lot of bands in this uh, post on Instagram, which I'm excited about. That kind of makes up for it. Sure. <laughs> Yeah, I don't need that. I'm barely, I'm barely hanging on to Facebook as it is, so uh, tag away. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. All right, cool. Well, Tim Anderson is our guest today. We're going to talk, uh, before we jump into the, the full origins, as you know, you, you're a listener of the show and we're doing these kind of new lightning round start questions. All right. I want to do yep. some of these with you, so we'll be able to knock <clears throat> out some of that origin uh, quicker than usual. So... I listen to the show, what, I think weekly, if not every other week, and I'm still in no way prepared at all. <laughs> anything you're about to ask me <laughs> you haven't like pre-rehearsed any no. of the questions it's not like you can learn how to do this show i can sit at home and learn a song but i can't learn to do this <laughs> you could really practice your answers you know like have you seen that yeah, yeah i thought the same thing but i tell you what when you think about it you come up nothing i've got nothing i'm a blank slate there's a great thing we'll put in the youtube playlist of this episode but it's like vin diesel across multiple tonight shows doing the exact same answers when like he's on oh, the pr yeah. tour for like his latest movie and yep. it's like you could have done something like that you could have had some pre-prepared like a politician this is probably the second time i've been behind a microphone in my life though <laughs> i can't really practice for it if it's only the second time 
All right, cool. We'll start you with an easy one. When you were growing up around the house, what was the kind of music that was playing? Like, who was playing music and what was your kind of first? It's uh, a good question. I remember my dad playing music. I think in the car, it was more uh, like you could hear a preference and the radio station that was chosen. I remember dad, I remember it being a weird moment when I was a kid where dad used to listen to ACDC a lot. <laughs> like that kind of vibe and Aussie crawl and Australian rock and roll. And all of a sudden it was just Tina Arena. Just something happened. He, he turned 50 maybe or turned, maybe he was only 40, whatever it was. He just went, no, nah, I'm done. And next, and from that point on, it was just, not that there's nothing wrong with Tina Arena. That, what's that album with uh, Sorrento Moon on it? Fucking great album. But, but I was um, going to say, they're probably the only one that's ever happened because I think everyone in Australia must have got given that CD at some point. Because we had that in our house which as a one? kid. The Tina Arena oh, CD. Right, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. It's just, it was everywhere. It um, was, my aunties and uncles were probably more influential with music somehow because... Um, my, that's mum's brothers and sisters because I think my auntie gave me my, my first ever CD whatever age it was it was um, Jagged Little Pill of all just randomly just Christmas there you go I like this you must like this well you might like this and, and did um, you like this? I knew it was popular I, I liked it dad hated it he wouldn't let me put it on because it was he hated the sound of her voice but I was pretty stoked later in life to learn that Flea's on it um, you ought to know Dave Navarro like found that out way later after I was playing bass for years and I went oh fuck that's awesome First thing I ever owned actually had him on it. So wait, did you say Dave Navarro as well? So like the yeah. chilies and that one hot minute Yeah, the 95 era. era, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So she just said, hey, I've got these songs. I think one hand in my pocket, you know, that, that was the big album and it was all over the radio and she, uh, my auntie Fiona, I think it was. Wow. Hi, Fee. That's, oh, that's one of the questions on here was the album. So I've already ticked that one off as well. Which was what, what was that? My first album? Yeah, well, I mean, do, what, do you remember what you bought with your, with your own money? Like what was the CD you would um, bought that you were like, I want, I want this album? Uh... <laughs> It wasn't an album, but I had pocket money and I was staying with my, my granddad at some point and we nagged me, my brother nagged him to take, go to the shops and I bought the single of It's Tricky, Run DMC. <laughs> I remember that's the first physical thing I bought with my own money. It was like $7.95 at something, Sanity or... No, I think I got it from Big W or something like that. But Amazing. Yeah, that's yeah the origin. All right, cool. What about uh, any embarrassing MSN screen names? Did you use MSN back in the day? Or yeah, MySpace? definitely. Um, uh, I can't remember what the name would have been though. Did you ever do like any devil emojis in between like brutal lyrics or anything back in those days? Uh, honestly, I can't, don't think I remember that far back. I've got a feeling that, oh no, no, yeah, okay, yeah. No, I remember this now because I didn't make it. My friend Simon Dreyer made this for me. Because um, he wanted me on MSN and I'll make it for you. He started my first YouTube, oh, YouTube, um, like, Hotmail account thing. Yeah. And he called it Ivy Flea. And it's like, because cause you like flea. And I'm, I'm just going to say, I be flea. And it was, I be, I flea at whatever. And that was my thing for ages, actually. Yeah. That's amazing. So yeah. you, your love of flea and bass have been there from the get-go. That was like, wait, that was like, yeah, the, think, uh, the first thing I got into when I first got a bass was a Chili Peppers song or CD. And wow. that was just it. Uh, what about I learned nearly everything from him. <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, we can talk more about flea. I'm going to add that to my list of yeah. things. If uh, <laughs> yeah, go for it. If we can, we'll, it's, pretty, it's not really it's not really a surprise to anyone. But um, yeah, definitely, it was the right time in the right year for that. It was a good time for bass. Jelly peppers. It's yeah, good time for bass guitar. Yeah. What about worst tattoo? Did you have a worst tattoo? They're all shit. <laughs> all of them are shit. Don't get all your tattoos before you're 20 without thinking about it, and most of them for free. The only one that's good is what I paid for, uh, like in full, and that was when tattoos went real expensive, really, really fast. And that was the last tattoo I probably got, actually. And that was probably good fifteen years ago. 
That's yeah. awesome. No, they're all shit. Um, Looking forward in- to covering them all up eventually with something better. Oh, is that what's <laughs> is that the plan? Oh yeah, when I can afford to. It's good times. <laughs> um, all right. What about uh, so musical influence sound like your uncle and aunties? That sounds like weird. yeah, not officially though. I think uh, I didn't really have. Um, I didn't really have a direct influence. Sorry. No, you're is right. This, is this better? <laughs> I didn't really have a direct influence. I think it wasn't until I started playing bass that I started realizing what music I liked. And that's when everyone around me, it's like everyone at school got a guitar or something that, that same Christmas. I mean, year nine, we all went to year nine, everyone got a guitar. And I got a bass because I remember thinking, I can't play guitar. <laughs> it sounds like, and ever, like, I actually had that thought where, you know, if everyone's getting guitar, then who's going to play bass in a band? I had that exact moment. I'm like, fuck it. I think I want to play bass. And then we went down to the shop and a friend, family friend gave me a guitar and I didn't like it. And because um, I couldn't figure out what he was trying to show me with a chord. So I uh, was not able to do that. And then he said, well, let's try something simple and gave me a bass. And I just went to hear that low E. I went, oh, yeah, this is, this will do. This is good. I'll have this one. <laughs> and then, yeah. So um, what kind of bass was it? That was a ibanez stage star i've still got it it looks like a fender p copy but with a really fat body on it like a wider body um yeah i'm thinking about maybe restoring that a little bit haven't played in fucking ages and what color is it black with a white scratch plate Mm. and a maple maple yeah maple neck sick yeah, it's good. Um, I was in a, my next question was, what was your first instrument and why? We've just covered that already. That wasn't it, Fantastic. though. That wasn't it. Oh, wait, what? <laughs> no. What was the first instrument? I played, I played trumpet for like three years before that. What? And I played trumpet for another three years after I got that bass, yeah. It, have you ever played a trumpet since then? No, not since I started doing uh, music in VCE. That's when I made that. I put that down and we sold it. And I bought an amp, I think. <laughs> bought a quad box <laughs> to be louder. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. What kind of stuff were you doing? Trumpet, like school band? Kind yeah, of like concert band and jazz and the, um, the the big band. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. And do you feel like if you picked one up, you'd still be able to like have fuck, a crack? Fuck no. No, that's <laughs> like... The only reason I stopped because I was so exhausted all the time and your lips get all fucked up and it's disgusting. There's spit coming out of it all yeah, the time. Yeah, isn't there like a stinks. spit valve in the thing? You yeah, you're like... meant to empty it. Yeah, because it just collects the whole time you're playing. Yeah, that's why you see guys playing they, every now and then the, where there's a beat, they just go open a little valve and just dribbles out. It's charming. <laughs> yeah. I used to think people, when they spit on stage, like in a band, I'd always like, oh, that's a little bit uncouth, you know? But now it's like... In a rock band. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But now it's like if fucking trumpet people are doing that, it's like... It's just part of the job. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm I think gonna... spitting in a rock band is part of the job too, it to some extent. It is. It shows you don't care about the stage, <laughs> that's you know? That's it. That's it. Um, <laughs> Metallica or Megadeth? Metallica. Why? Uh, I've just listened to way more Metallica over the years. Megadeth, uh, that's there's a sick Megadeth song. Um, it's on the Last Action Hero soundtrack. <laughs> I never remember the name of it. Is that is the song from Last Might Action be. Hero? Is that a Megadeth song? Like that the riff I can think of dun, in dun, my dun, head. Yeah, that's a Megadeth song. Oh. Yeah. Uh, Fuck if I remember what it's called though. And also, Megadeth did a cover of that Duke Nukem theme oh. from like Duke Nukem 3D era yeah, I think yeah. I don't know whether it's one of those ones where it's like you're a kid and you're like on Napster and you download like Megadeth Duke Nukem theme and it may not have ever been Megadeth but I have a feeling maybe it was them I don't know oh. so there's some there's for nerds listening <laughs> if you want to get into Megadeth there's heaps of reasons why they're better yeah, than they're good I mean I, get, I think Mustaine's voice is just doesn't really has never really done it for me but 
I've got no real opinion either way. I've just listened to more Metallica over the years. Correct. And I'm just hoping one day, one time, a guest is going to say, oh, fuck yeah, Megadeth, dude. Yeah. Fuck Metallica. <laughs> Get Harvey on. <laughs> yeah. Do you reckon he's going to be all about Megadeth? Oh, 50-50. <laughs> Definitely. That's awesome. Uh, favorite music video? Do you have a music video that like stands uh, out in your mind? Yeah, I know this one. Um, I can't think of it either. <laughs> Man, this is why I'm a shit guest. Uh, I, I remember thinking... That the five minutes alone video was fucking outrageously sick when I first saw it, and that's probably one of my favorites. Whenever it comes on, that swing bulb it smashes it at the start of it. Is it right I, at the start? Yeah, and I reckon that was the first time I ever saw like a, a like a camera pointed down the like the down the neck of the guitar. Oh yeah, like totally. Actually, yeah, you know, like it's I just badass. Everything about Pantera is badass, but that video was like I think one night on Rage, I got I saw that straight after Bohemian Rhapsody, and I was thinking, oh, that was a cool song. It's probably the second time I've ever heard it. This is early on, and then that came on. I didn't even know what metal was. I reckon, but I'm thinking this this is kind of cool. And, uh, yeah, it was like part like, of the start of the whole thing. Oh man, I was yeah. just about to say, I'm sure Pantera's done that for so many. Yeah, but you know, I never really got into, like Metallica. Like, uh, I'll I never really got into metal till I knew what metal was. I reckon. You know, mm. I had friends. That doesn't make any sense, but of course, <laughs> of course, once I figured out, once I heard metal, I loved it. But um, it was mates of mine when we started playing jam. Like a mate. Uh, Jacko gave me a mix CD once said we're going to do a cover show for my sister's 21st and here's a whole bunch of songs and um, then the next CD he gave me was like this is some other shit that I like too and just that was like the first time someone really bothered to show me something I hadn't heard before and that had heaps of cool shit like everything from System of a Down to um, Mudvayne and uh, yeah so we're talking pretty like, this is 2000 I guess like 90, yeah, yeah I was just about to say we're, we're in the height of new metal yeah era. totally yeah but um that had uh i think Alice in chains on it maybe but um i didn't really pick up on that but pantera was definitely on there i think and that was one of the yeah i went oh, i know this it just sounds like that other thing that video i saw once and yeah that's awesome. figured it out later yeah <laughs> yeah you're like oh that's all the same thing yeah that's all yeah the same kind a lot of, of my musical discoveries in retrospective just kind of figured it realized i heard it before somewhere didn't know what it was and then went back and found one ah oh, I like this. <laughs> but that's so much better than being the kind of person that's like no there's this new thing and it's like no that's just existed for like you know 20 years like yeah. it was so funny like i didn't even get into sabbath until you know bands like uncle acid came through and did that throwback stonery oh, yeah. kind of thing and you're like oh why am i listening to this if like it just listen to sabbath but mm. you know you don't think to go back because it sounds like dad's music or something i don't yeah. know maybe there's a bit of a, a barrier so what's important for artists to keep going too because i found about sabbath Aussie because because of aussie and i remember um perry mason i saw that video once as well and that song rules and that album rules but it was just aussie osborne yeah and then i was like so who's Ozzy Osbourne and I look, you know figured it out oh it's yeah. Black Sabbath oh okay this is what Black Sabbath is okay and then yeah it's like oh, I've seen that somewhere on someone's shirt or on a record somewhere yeah or, but like, it's obviously old so it's not for me I'm not going to bother with it I remember seeing like, I wanna be, when you were younger you want to be the guy that finds something cool and shares that with everyone too so you're not looking for what was cool Oh, for what is cool man i remember <laughs> the first time i saw sabbath it was like on rage and it was like the paranoid film clip and he's wearing these like spandex blue pants <laughs> yeah. and he does that kind of like clapping where he kind of like claps up in the air yep. and it's just kind of like who is this dude i don't yep. do this and then it's only years later you're like oh, it's actually pretty sick but mm. as a teenage boy you know you want to listen to like slipknot or something where they've got yep. masks on <laughs> <laughs> yeah anything anyone with bleached hair was pretty cool for a while <laughs> All right, cool. Last of the lightning round openers. Worst and best gig either going to or played at? Um, I know, definitely not my worst gig because I remember it like it was yesterday. I played, I did a show or a couple of shows for 
way back when I'd done a whole doing bands with mates and it was fun doing our own metal stuff and then somehow I don't even know how it happened I got involved with some guy who had like his folk rock band it was like a friend of a friend of some family friend I don't even know how I met him it was called the Bleeding Rose and um it was just uh you know I was probably like I think I was just 18 and someone said go to audition for my mate he's a great guitarist he's got some songs and he's doing some shows you'd you know, you might like it. And I, what else am I going to, I'm doing, I'm doing nothing. So I went and did it and he wanted me in the band. We played some shows. One show was in St. Kilda somewhere. And it was three of us on stage, three piece band. Uh, and it was kind of like the folkiest form of Beatles music. I think you could probably describe it as like really happy, kind of hippie, vibe-ish Beatles inspired stuff. Yeah. And we played to uh, that guy, the singer, guitarist, his partner and the two bar staff yeah and i remember we were playing the second song in the two bar staff are standing arm in arm like you know arms crossed at the bar no one to serve just standing there talking shit and over the song i hear the one, one guy go the other this is fucking shit <laughs> <laughs> and we're like about to go into the second chorus and i like you know rehearsed trying to just getting on with it and then i hear that i was like yeah this this is pretty shit isn't it <laughs> and that was the last show i played with that band yeah. What about best show you've ever played? Uh, oh, or man. one of the best? You must have some fun yeah, crackers in there. Yeah, I know. I didn't. I should have thought about this more. There's been times where you're just like that was a good show, but I think um, uh, you mean just how I felt about it in general, or yeah. just what? It doesn't need to be was. like the metric of all the crowd there saying it was the best. I think I think that final abandonment show was pretty special. Like it had that, just had that electricity about it. It wasn't the biggest show I've done or the most crazy, but it was definitely something where that band, like even though it was the final show and we kind of got the set together to play that final show, uh, there was something going on between the five of us. It felt like a band, you know? <laughs> it felt like, that's a weird thing to say, but... Do you sometimes you play, play a band. and feel like you're in a band? Oh, like, fuck yeah. Yeah? Oh yeah, you're just doing your job. Yeah. yeah that's for sure. Ah, that's so interesting. And yeah. look... Listeners, uh, if you didn't realize, Tim Anderson has been mentioned a lot on this show because he plays in a lot of bands linked to guests that have been on the show or people that have mentioned you in some passing way. I don't know. You, you're, a, you're a pillar in the community. It helps the when you interview people that I know. That's I look. They, they tend to know me. That's I interview a lot of people that you know. <laughs> yeah, we happen to know the same people. <laughs> and then you play in bands with. But So we've got a, we've got a big list here. Just for we're just gonna roll it out for people, just so they know. It's like, all right, this, <clears throat> look, listen to this head honcho who's been in all these bands. So you played bass in uh, the Abandonment, the Redshaw, Confession, Black Helm, Jack the Stripper, Hadel Moore, Galaxy, King, and a lot of those bands are well. I mean, other than COVID right now, they're all a lot of them are still active. Like you're playing in a lot of those bands kind of right now. Uh, yeah, the last bunch especially, yeah. And we've also got some honorable mentions that you you filled in for Electric Dynamite. You said at some point. Yeah, did a couple of shows. I think Dwayne was doing something he was overseas i think yeah for work or something but yeah sick and then fun. we've also got uh, a separate subcategory of like the kind of all the bands you know when you're a youth so we'll get into let's oh. let's start with that first right so uh -huh. you're a t you t you're a young tim anderson you've played trumpet for a little bit you got over that you got a bass guitar like how does how does the band thing start you, you, uh, you did that there was cover set for the 21st yeah so um i was friends with a guy called uh his name was is, is still is jason and um <laughs> so we were in the same year and he his next door neighbor luke was uh they, they were friends from for years um 
Luke's older sister having twenty first birthday, and that family, their family thought it'd be good to you, you should get a band together and play play some songs. So he went, all right, and how do I do that? And so he got naturally got his mate, his neighbour, to sing because he was uh, a singer, I guess. <laughs> um, and then they kind of just figured out. Well, I know a guy who plays drums, and uh, Jake's like, well, there's this guy in my year who plays bass. Maybe we'll just get the four of us together and we'll give it a crack. And that was the first thing. That was just like tap on the shoulder in the playground at <laughs> lunchtime in the playground i think playing basketball so i'm tapping the shoulder hey uh do you like want to do a like do a jam and and uh, yeah i guess why not and at that point how was your bass tutelage going like were you learning were you learning bass um, from someone or? everyone knew i played bass i guess put it that way i i, I think i learned pretty quick somehow i just got it and didn't do it i got it so i got a bass my 14th birthday so that's 2000 ish yeah 2000 and i played that thing for like four hours a day minimum for i don't know three or four years straight so uh yeah you get pretty good when you practice (laughs) and i got good fast i guess good good enough yeah quick and um and what were you doing like for four hours a day were you jamming on songs you already knew were you like just um, kind of noodling around or like yeah just testing out what makes what sound and how to like uh, I wasn't good enough to hear something and go, I, I want to try and play that. Get tabs and stuff and you try and figure out one note at a time. Um, got a couple of instructional videos like Flea and um, I got a Stu Ham video. Who's Stu Ham? It's a bass player who plays for like, uh, it's like one of those session bass players. He's played for um, Satriani and et cetera, like one of those guys. Um, just technique kind of things. And I didn't even know what I was learning, but pretty much taught myself for um, first uh, three or four, two or three years or something wow and then i had to get a couple of lessons in vca when i started to try and do that but anyway getting, getting a bit ahead but um uh so you were the guy who played bass four hours a day by yeah. himself and then that there was, was me like- and another guy chris chris farmer who okay so by the way i don't know if you know it's the school i came from padua and mornington uh there was that's where carpathian originated so the original carpathian lineup is from my school my year level all those guys were you know in the same class in the same basketball games at lunchtime no not that much but uh, in the same classes you know marty chris um sim simon who i've mentioned before uh so i used to jam with simon and his brother a lot liam they lived up the road and i used to go to their place and we just played blink 182 covers chili peppers covers i think uh nirvana stuff you know the stuff we could do yeah um and we all got like liam was a little bit older but sim was a great drummer already and yeah we just played a lot all the time like all weekend after school and got yeah got good i reckon they've been sim jam now we've been talking about for ages he lives in perth now he actually plays for gyroscope right now um yeah good on him um but i reckon if we talk about jam i reckon we got together now we'd probably just lock straight back into the same stuff we were playing almost 20 years ago (laughs) (laughs) that's sick so you were doing that and then you got poached for this party yeah, they asked and me to do it, and I said, "Yeah, let's do it." It's so fun. And we just played uh, like uh, Aussie rock covers, like you know, we played Grinspoon, we played um, you know, whatever was on the radio, I guess, Foo Fighters, stuff like that, Chili Peppers. Yeah, I think that first gig, actually, gig show party, <laughs> was at, like you know the bikey club in Hastings. Um, that was the longest show I've ever played. We played for like two hours. <laughs> it's that first show. We worked on it for months and we played like two like hour-long sets, I reckon, from memory. It might have been nowhere near that, but that's what it felt like. Yeah, it was a good trial by fire. Yeah, yeah. fucking hell. That's crazy and to then, think that a band would play for that long. Yeah, and those those four guys, and then we, we changed. We thought that was fun. Let's do another band. Um, and uh, 
that band went through a couple of different versions of itself and we ended up doing an uh, EP a couple of years later that was the end of the band. We just had to get it done and then we realized, okay, you know, we're only like 20, 21, maybe 22, I can't remember, but like that's enough. We're, we're too old for this shit now and we just stopped it. But um, those five guys, because Adam joined later, those five guys are still my five best mates easily. Of, oh. of we, yeah, so it's funny how that worked out. Just yeah. known, known each other for the longest, I guess. Hey. And where's that EP floating around? Is that um, like someone got that in the vault? Yeah, there's we've got a, everyone's got it on a hard drive somewhere. There's a couple of there's CDs. I think we printed like 100 CDs or something. It's not online yet. I don't think it's on YouTube, but yeah. You could put it on like Spotify and get like a dollar a year, you know? And pay 20 bucks a year to keep it up there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's fucked No, nah, that's just for us. That's something we put on when we were a bit loose in the kitchen every now and then when we get together and just go, fuck it, let's put it on. Yeah. And, yeah, and what was, that, what was that? What, you said that band went through a couple of names. What yeah. was the name at the end? Uh, that was called The Hour of Reckoning and we were kind of like a unearthed ripoff by the end. Yeah. With like glenn benton vocals somehow <laughs> yeah it was like on earth with death metal vocals sick all right so then that's your kind of like you know your teenage years and then you said mm. oh man we probably should pack this in because we're old stops, now we're, yeah. we're 20 <laughs> yeah i don't know why we just stopped well there was another band that was going on simultaneously which was btk which was like the other half of that same band um luke in particular wrote all that stuff and that became the focus obviously and that's totally cool and they were really good they were, they were like you know death metal legends from mornington peninsula they got really good real quick and uh no one was doing what they were doing it was really cool um but that became the focus which is fine and that uh i don't know when they actually wrapped up their thing they did a cd as well a similar kind of vibe did a cd and kind of just stopped playing after a while but yeah before that i don't know i just the, the shows we were doing in either band and all those bands were just the same you know bands like carpathian for example were doing national I think national tour by then tours by then if not international but they got real big real quick um, so would this be like early 2000s you reckon at this point yeah because yeah like oh this would be well we all graduated 2003 so 2004 5 6 i think it, 2005 was the last time any of those bands that we did played a show oh wow yeah i think so so then was there a gap for you musically yeah i don't know i just did nothing i went got a job after high school and just started working and partying and didn't do much else did you ever pick up the bass at that time, or was it, yeah? Your head, did you think it had kind of gone away? Like I just, I just didn't care anymore. I just stopped playing. I'd played a bit. I just played jammed long CDs and songs I knew, but it was like in the case most of the time. Yeah, right. Yeah. So then, what was the thing that brought you back? Because now, when I think of you, you're such a prolific bass player. You know, you, you're playing in lots of bands. You're always playing shows. You sometimes play multiple shows. I'm so prolific. I'm busy. I've, yeah. I've been busy, but I'm, yeah. What's the difference prolific. between prolific and busy? I think prolific is more creative oh, okay. uh, in general. And I would say I pretty much, like, I learn other people's music and put it on a show. That's what I do. <laughs> That's what I've done for 10 years. <laughs> so how did you get, how did you get back into playing bass again? Like, what was the band? Uh, good question. Um, it was a random thing. Uh, a mutual friend of ours, Coop, Scott Cooper, um, he was playing in the Omen at the time. This is like 2000, mid, early 2009, I think. So yeah, good four-year gap of not playing, I, I think, yeah. And anyway, he, um, we ran into each other somewhere and he just happened to go, do you still play? Because the Omen had done shows. We'd done, we knew each other and I think they played our mates uh, Katie's 21st or something as well at some point, or I think it was one of those party shows. Um, and... So yeah, we were friendly and we ran into each other and he said, uh, do you still play? Because I know a band that's looking for a bass player and I was literally that bored, I think. I just went, yeah, fuck it, why not? <laughs> and uh, he goes, yeah, this is Rob's number, give him a call. And I spent like weeks 
getting the nerve up to call him. I didn't even know. Um, I didn't even know who Rob played for until I called Coops, I think, before I called Rob and said, what was the band again? He goes, oh, The Abandonment. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I knew The Abandonment. I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, fuck. <laughs> I was about to call this guy. And I'm like, oh, nah. And then I spent another couple of days thinking about it. And I finally called him only to have Rob super polite as he is. Oh, man, I really appreciate you calling me. Uh, we just actually got a bass player, though. Sorry. Um, thanks for showing an interest, though, mate. Yeah. Now, we'll take it easy. And oh, like, uh, no. So, we got the courage for like a month and then just got, not shut down, but just one of those life lessons where you go, don't fucking wait. Don't yeah. think about it. Just do it. But I, I haven't played to fucking ages then. And then when I learned it was that band, I was like, man. And at the time, like, I remember for, like when I first saw The Abandonment, it was such a crazy experience you know it'd be a terrifying thing to think i gotta learn those songs crazy like, music yeah that first days of the sparrow era was a band the abandonment that i knew and i was thinking i can't play that that's just fucking insane like you have to be part of a band that makes that music to be able to play that music you can't just learn it mm. little did i know but i actually come to think of it i don't think i ever played any of those songs off that ep in that band so when did you join in the end so so um, Rob very politely yeah so oh yeah sorry uh he that was it and I was like, oh, fuck it, back to work. <laughs> and um, <laughs> and uh, I think like six months later, I just get this random phone call and it was Rob and saying, things aren't working out with uh, our, our mate. Are you still interested in maybe having a crack? And I went, uh, yeah, why not? And at this point, is there six more months of like cobwebs on your fingers as well I to had, make you extra nervous um, or were you jamming still? You got my email address, sent me everything you had and it was all for the new, e- the new CD they were working on. They were like middle of, I think they were just doing the solos on the recording of it. And um, he sent me everything he had, like, music-wise. Um, I don't think there was anything written, though. There may have been some tabs handwritten somewhere that he sent me. But, um, yeah, so I spent a couple of weeks having a crack at one song and went over to his place and just worked on it riff by riff. And then I think about a month later, got in the room with the boys and had a crack at three of the songs and, yeah, just kept going back. They just kept saying, come back next week. <laughs> And after about, I think maybe, yeah, six, five, six weeks, four, five, six weeks, or maybe less, I can't remember that actually, but um, it was just like, because um, Adam was relatively new in the band too. Adam Gorrell was playing guitar in the band because Dave just left. And um, even he was like, what are you, are you in the band? I'm like, actually, I don't know. Am I in the band? And they ever heard us talking, they're like, oh yeah, yeah, you're in the band. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't realize there had to be some official like thing or ceremony or something like that. I was just like, I'm, I'm here every week, aren't I? What else? Uh, why would I not be in the band? Yeah, I guess. but at some Didn't point you just though. get kicked, you know, like, you yeah. know, hey, thanks for your time, Tim. I really yeah. appreciate you coming yeah. to <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, so that happened like that and then we started doing shows. Wow. And that band was one of the hardest working bands I've ever been involved in. Yeah. Easily, that was a big wake-up call. And so that was like end of 2009. They just put that, they just did that CD. I didn't play on that CD, but... Um, for, that's probably a good thing because Rob smashed it um, and it was well and truly done before I was even in the picture anyway but uh, that, that we were jamming twice a week and playing as much as we could and yeah I reckon it showed that band was tight as fuck yeah yeah. so that was a good that was I got, I'll thank those guys forever because they were like the ones that changed everything from uh, just that mid-twenties mediocrity life into band world again into like the next level band world from local band stuff you know still local band I guess but but you, you, it's the you know. abandonment, you know, like it's like shit serious all of a sudden. Bought a new bass, um, yeah, got into it. Shit. So it's it's interesting you talk about that, like that next level up, hmm. because I think a lot of 
people when I guess you talk about bands like oh I'm in a band or you know we play in a band or whatever but then there's like you know there's playing with your mates and maybe recording something and maybe you know existing but then there's like playing like the way the abandonment would like playing more than now. once every couple of months yeah and you, all of a sudden you realize you got to actually get fit and you got to like stay on top of your game and you got to like do more um there's shows there with more than just people you know and you got to like sell the band like yeah big learning curve hey, for sure yeah people like me there who's just like wow look at this band and like i don't know anyone in it like yeah. that's how and we're that's all we're up there shitting ourselves thinking we've you know jammed for like six hours a night twice a week to get onto this to this point and impress you guys <laughs> And um, yeah, I'm not even sure if we pulled it off, but hearing back some of those old live shows, I, I think we're pretty tight. Yeah. <laughs> I think the, the hard work paid off. But look who's in the band. Like, forget, you know, the band that was, like, that band was fucking amazing. Yeah. yeah. So like, give us a bit of a rundown for, for the listeners and, you know, just for myself. Mm. That final lineup, who was there in the band at the time? Like, the abandonment? Yeah. Um, it was Rob, uh, Joel, Taylor, Minz. Manol yep. and um, Adam Goral and myself was the five members. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the first time that you've got this kind of vibe of, oh man, this is what being in a band yeah. is like. You, we, I'm assuming there was tour so as well. We, got we came state. up to like, um, I think it was Jan, uh, end of, or start of December or something. We were jamming pretty much more than we were doing anything else. Uh, and then at some point, Joel just goes, are you going to be right to tour in January? <laughs> and like, I've never been asked that question before in my life. I'm like, uh, you, what what's that what, what's involved he goes you know can you take time off work and play shows up you know we're going to go to sydney and brisbane and canberra and stuff I'm like yeah I, yeah well i'm not doing all this hard work for nothing so i took uh, a week off work i think we did that or maybe a bit longer i can't remember but um that was the first run of shows i ever did like a run of shows you know that was awesome and was that in the van like everyone in the van like yeah gear piled in? i don't know whose van i don't know no it wasn't a trailer i don't know whose van it was maybe maybe we hired it probably would have hired it yeah sick yeah and something that would have become so normal in your life for the next years after that was like the first time was there was there a bit of joy and novelty in that first kind of oh, fuck yeah <laughs> i don't think i slept the whole time <laughs> on the way back from sydney to melbourne i think i slept the whole way but i've been up for like three days probably because just, i was just too excited to sleep wow yeah it was cool and what shows did you play like where did you play when you uh, i think the- those ones were like um the sydney version like the straw lines club whatever the sydney one oxford street whatever that was called mm. um uh, Canberra was a a bar. We played a floor show on a bar um, on the main street somewhere. I can't remember what it was called. It doesn't, I don't think it's there anymore. Uh, Brisbane, I think, was a pool hall. What's the pool hall called in Brisbane? Um, uh, Someone listening is going to be yelling out yep. into the <laughs> to their car speakers. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. Sure. Everyone played there. Um, that was cool. Um, but yeah, yeah, you know, modest shows. Sick. It was good. And um, Melbourne would have been probably. The Artie, yeah, mm. undoubtedly. Yeah. Mm. So this is like your entrance into all of this world, you know, like yeah. playing these kind of venues that I'm sure you've seen the inside of yeah. a thousand times Yeah, now, first but- time. Those guys have done a bunch of them, obviously, over the years. Um, and yeah, they made it very easy for me to kind of feel comfortable about being in a band. That's good. That's awesome. I owe those guys everything, seriously, because they, who the fuck was I? And they <laughs> took a chance. I could play, I got the songs down, so I guess that was good enough for them. <laughs> Awesome. So where did, where did you go from there? So the abandonment broke up in what year? What year was that final show on the, the, the um, YouTube video for now? That was on my birthday, 2011, but the band had stopped playing about six months before that, I think. So the band, so prior to the, so mid 2010, we did a run, we did a run of shows with the Redshaw um, and they, 
they took us on yeah playing uh, slightly bigger shows obviously redshaw 2010 um and because i knew jace i think i knew jace by that point because he was actually seeing our friend katie again um back in the day the so one who had the 21st is yeah the- yeah that katie yeah hi katie <laughs> um so yeah that's kind of how I mean, obviously those guys would have been friends anyway but that's kind of how that sort of happened i think anyway um did that did the shows um then the Bannermans stopped playing, went to Hobart, I think, the first time there, played the Brisbane Hotel. That was our final show as that band before the final actual show, six months later, I think. Oh, really? Yeah, so that band stopped playing shows after that. Um, and a couple of months later, um, Redshaw were, I think they were doing an American tour, because that show they did with us was a warm-up. They were going to America after that. And uh, they did like 40 shows straight or something, I think, or something crazy like Whoa. that. But towards the end of that, they I got a phone call from... I think it was jace or tim or someone from they called me from america saying uh we got a bit of an issue um we were wondering if you could have the set ready to start jamming we're gonna be back in two weeks can you um have the set ready to start jamming in three weeks by any chance and i'm like to what to to play some shows with us oh of course <laughs> uh, <laughs> i love how you're so unassuming in all oh, of man. these uh, why would i assume that that was what this phone call was about you know <laughs> why would that i, I just going from work on a thursday I just cracked a beer and the phone rings. I'm like, this is a long number. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like yeah. the plus. Yeah, it was before <laughs> Facebook Messenger, like internet calls and stuff like that. Um, anyway, so yeah, I went and because I was kind of bummed that abandonment stopped playing. And um, that was like, yeah, what an opportunity. I was like, fuck yeah, grab that. Yeah, didn't, even, you, didn't even ask what was going on. Didn't care. Just went, send me the songs. I just started working on it for three weeks every night, just getting that hit down. See, this yeah. sounds like the Tim Anderson I know, you know? It's I haven't funny. stopped pretty much from that from that day. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I was like, all this talk of you just like kind of noodling around, it's like, that doesn't sound like Tim at all. It sounds yeah. like you practice in heaps of bands that you're in lots of times and you play lots of shows. And yeah, just... I noodle around for a while to figure out how to play and then without any kind of real instruction on what I was doing. That's why I've got so many bad habits and why I'm not actually a great player, but I just know how to learn songs. What do you mean bad habits? What, what are, what oh, are you bad at, habits for a bass player? Uh, uh, this is going to be self-deprivating. Self, uh, yeah, so, but um, this is uh, a real bass, a really, really good bass player. Like will, Flea? No, will like just pick anyone, any pro bass player <laughs> who's been playing for 20 years like I have will know, actually know how to do pretty much everything proficiently and stuff. I, I still got to work my ass off to get to pull things off. So I don't care. It's just... Just send me the songs, and you know, I, I like I like the challenge. But um, every time I've done different band, it's like uh, I, I have to learn how to play differently. I learn how to play however that other person in that band wrote writes music. So yeah, because yeah, a lot of times you're jumping in for someone. Yeah, who's already- or I'm writing. Yeah, I'm playing someone else's lines or a different style of usually metal, obviously. Um, so that's the tricky part. Yeah, yeah. right. So okay. anyway, yeah, started learning, so- did that, and um. Yeah, then the band, that was the Avarice of Man tour, the, the Australian leg of that, the least Avarice of Man. We did those shows with Despised Icon and then a headline run off the back. It was like five weeks in a row in like up and down and around the cities and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I remember the first day of tour on a, going to Perth, we missed the flight. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> Had to fly to Sydney for like, wait there for three hours to get a flight to Perth. Got there like an hour before the show. Yeah, that was fun. Your first ever show with the Red Show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> fucking hell yeah stressful like i didn't care I was was just like, as long as the band was together you know that's if i was the only one that was late i'd be fucking shitting myself <laughs> huh? yeah um that's a good question uh i so i was living in frankston 
Jace and Katie were in Hastings and they were picking me up on the way through and they were just late. <laughs> That's all I know. Yeah. So all we know is you were just sitting there with your bass guitar out the front of your house waiting. Yep. <laughs> you were being a good little boy. Well, I was. I was sitting on the case waiting to be picked up. Twiddling my thumbs. With a fishing rod as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so how long did the Redshaw go for in that incarnation? Oh, man, joined? that was fuck all. That was like literally that run of shows. That was that, that kind of double tour, if you will. Um, and then that, they kind of fizzled. There was, some, there was some shit going on in the band. They, did, they were kind of burnt out mm. by the time I started playing with them. Um, I could tell there was a bit of, they had a bit of a sense of fresh, fresh air having an, a new, another new lineup, but also... It was like the sense of how I particularly felt. It was like a um, another got to start all over again. Like you got to earn that fan base back again because another lineup. I had people calling, like yelling out when we were setting up, like calling out John, John, like wondering why they weren't getting an answer until someone other guy came out. That's not, that's not John. Can can you fuck off? Whoa. <laughs> yeah. So um, I just didn't acknowledge it, and they didn't acknowledge it all. Uh, they just kind of was business as usual, and that was kind of my first instance of me feeling like I was like, I might have a maybe a shot at just being one of those guys that just kind of learns and shows up and plays and get that kind of thing going and that's at, by the end of those shows that's how i was starting to think like maybe i can just keep doing this <laughs> yeah. actually had that yeah i had that thought but i didn't think it would actually happen i was kind of counting on the ritual to get their shit together and we keep playing more massive shows but they just kind of stopped playing and had a break and then it just became a long break Fuck, yeah wow. So, okay, so then that, that fizzles out. And then what happens? What's the next thing that you do? Uh, you're testing me here, the timeline. But it's, um, so during that period where they, it's like similar to the abandonment, they stopped playing shows, Redshaw stopped playing shows. Um, and I was doing nothing. I think I just went back to work. Um, and then my mate Adam from way back in those original bands who was playing in Confession at the time, um, they were about to do their, I think they were doing some tours leading up to the, next album being recorded and uh i can't remember the circumstances but um yeah he called me and said do you want to do some fill-in shows and i'm like fucking why not <laughs> you know i am that guy now That's well my... i didn't think that i didn't think that. i didn't really like it took me a long time to like convince myself that, to play for confession you know i didn't really listen to the band even adam love adam forever and always will but i didn't really listen to the confession um and uh, I didn't really see myself playing it, but I thought, you know what, I can put on the blue jeans and I can, um, and I can learn the show and do what they do. Uh, I hope they're prepared to have someone that looks a bit more metal than the last guy, and that's about it. That's about as far as I thought about learning the set and end up playing with him for two years. The blue jeans, that's like, yeah. that's, a, that's a fantastic... <laughs> they had a uniform, you know, blue jeans, black shirt. Yeah, Everyone had the slicked hair, which was cool. It, was, uh, was sleeveless shirts in at this point, or was it we still For me, they sleeves? were. For yeah. me, they were, yeah. Yeah, because... Because funnily enough, now that you say that, that's my, that's when I first met you was the confession clip that we shot oh, yeah. at the Avalon Airport. Yeah. Do you remember that? Long way home video. Yeah. yeah. So that was when I was like, who's this metalist dude in his blue shirt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Blue you that said, yeah, I look like Steve Harris. You remind me of Steve Harris. And I was like, this is how metal I was. I'm like, who the fuck is Steve Harris? Oh. <laughs> I didn't I didn't put it together at all. And I was like, fuck, I remember who. I have to look that guy up. Who maybe, do you think I look like? Maybe I was trying to. Or maybe to you like showed me a video of Iron Maiden on the spot. <laughs> I'm like, oh yeah, thanks, man. That does oh, man. sound like something I would do. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah. then, so yeah, so Fuck. that's that's when you come into my life as uh, a dude who's just playing in shows, and then just a band guy, yeah. And then I just started seeing you fucking everywhere. Mm. Like you just so ditto. Like, <laughs> very much so. Yeah. So let's talk about how that led into like all the stuff that's going on now, because you're in confession, you're playing, 
you mentioned there were some Euro tours at that time as well. Yeah. Like, was this all pretty, like how tight was the confession time? How long were you two in year, It was pretty much two years, almost to the month, I think. I can't remember what, when it started, but um, yeah, it was like two years. I did some shows, um, small little run in Australia. They went overseas and recorded the Long Way Home album, as in Dan, Shane and Crafter. And then me and Adam, I think they were there with Nordstrom uh, in Sweden for like three weeks doing that. And then... Um, me and Adam flew over, Adam and I flew over uh, and met them at the start of a tour with Raised Fist. Um, and they came straight from Sweden. That's we just met there. Um, and that was the first overseas tour I did. And I, look, say we want about confession, the band got shit done. And I played some of the most fun shows and some of the biggest shows I've ever done in that band. So I can't, and yeah, I can't complain. Saw so Europe twice, um, did a full Raised Fist tour. Uh, and then within a year was back there doing a full um parkway drive tour support tour so Whoa. which continued back to australia after that as well that was like fucking that was a lot of weeks that was one of the longest trips i've ever done we played like 30 shows 28 29 30 shows in europe this is when parkway were doing like festival hall type size gigs not quite stadium stuff yeah um so a couple of thousand i guess or up to a thousand minimum and um Whoa. and uh we played i think it was hamburg partied all night this is the last day of that tour, I think. I think it was Hamburg. Um, um, whatever it was. Uh, party all night. Got in the bus. Three hours later, get dropped at the airport. All fucking, oh, fuck. Hung over. I'm not even hung over yet. Still pissed. Um, then find out. We check in and do take all our bags. Then I find out we've got a 22-hour delay or wait. It was already planned. I just didn't know about it. 22 hours in the airport before our flight actually left. So that was fucking, that was a killer. Oh. like still stinking and I was covered in sweat from when I played that show to when I got to Sydney like a two and a half days later or whatever it was <laughs> I didn't have a shower I stunk like shit and then did you play a show in Sydney that night is that when it um, started so we uh, I can't I hope this is the right tour I'm thinking of but we this might have been the end of the race fist tour actually uh-huh. we did that actually yeah played Hamburg part of the night um, finally got on the plane fly from Europe via China with a 16 hour layover in China to Sydney, change planes, go straight back up to Brisbane and played to like four and a half thousand people at Riverside. Is it Riverside or River Stage? What it's called? Yeah. Um, with Parkway. So that was that was cool. Like it was all a massive payoff for uh, like even those guys were saying that I, like we wouldn't even do that. That's just fucking stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, that was one of those memories you're like, you know, I earned the gig, you know? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Holy shit. So... Was that like a bit of a culture shock or some kind of shock in some way that you're like, well, I've I've jumped into this band, I'm playing in Europe twice, you mm. know, like going across there and playing these big shows. Like, were you kind of like, this is my life now or was it still a bit surreal? Um, yeah, I was kind of battling a little bit because I was thinking, this is cool, I want to keep doing this, but I don't necessarily want to keep playing in this band. And towards the end of it, I think I'd had enough, but I knew we were going to Europe and I'm like, fuck, I'm not missing out on this to go for the second time and... It was that were bigger shows. It was more of a payoff. You know, it was a great time, no denying. But I was, uh, I think I was just kind of sick of playing. The blue jeans were like wearing well, out. More like I love playing with Adam every night. And like, to be honest, if you look at any show, me and Adam have played together. Um, we're, we've got a thing, an unspoken, unrehearsed syn- synchronization thing going on. We are just meant to be on stage together. It just looks, I don't know what it is. We just work off each other. Um, but so I love that. And being on tour with one of your best mates is fucking sick. But, um, it wasn't my band. Yeah. You know, it was just kind of, and you're kind of getting treated good, good gigs, good shows, 
good travel arrangements, but it's um, it didn't really feel like a. I was part of. I was, it was my band. I was part of a band. Yeah, no, it just felt like a gig that I wasn't really getting paid for. Just doing all this cool shit. So no complaints, but it was it ran its course. Yeah, right. So then, what was next for you after that? Um, well, there was a whole confession saga where we, the band, kind of imploded, exploded, and we were done. And the whole lineup ended up becoming obsolete um, for a brief period. And then, I think there was almost another year and a half gap, at least, of not much, just kind of working on shit with mates and just fucking around. Um, and then, again. Uh, at some point Adam started playing with Jack the Stripper and after maybe six months or most of a year something was going on with their guy and he's like hey man do you want to do you want to learn this set and do some shows I'm like yeah fuck it what else am I doing all the fucking bands for you to fill in for like The Abandonment Red Shore and now Jack the Stripper they must be the fucking hardest songs to learn like yeah it's a lot of work yeah (laughs) is there some time you want to just pick up in a band that's just like an easy gig I think one day I'm going to do my own I'm going to start from scratch and do my own band it's not going to be heavy if it's going to be heavy it's going to be you know it's not going to be like the shit that i've had to play the stuff that the stripper guys are writing and um the abandonment guys and redshaw guys you know i can't can't fucking be bothered with it i'll learn it but i can't be fucked writing it it's just not in me you know um (laughs) who it's in but i'm glad that yeah so that drive to do it you know yeah i guess you can learn anything i guess um yeah get to that point where you can if you practice enough you can learn anything if you just keep playing the practicing the same stuff over the time like you get given some songs learn the songs and what's that uh process for you is it like playing it slower and then like slowly playing through, um, or is it just chunks at a time no, like- start at the start learn the first riff um get that perfect and then learn the next riff get that perfect then get them put them both together and then then start practicing both together then learn the, the third part and then so one riff at a time through each song and keep adding it like a building block until all of a sudden you're playing the whole song start to finish as best you can. Wow. That's it. Every song is how I learn. It's just the only way thing that really sinks it in that way. Yeah. Gets, gets it in deep. And that's the thing. Like, that's what I must think about. Like, you must be sitting around driving yourself crazy sometimes figuring well, everyone out. everyone else in the house, really. <laughs> <laughs> no, you get good. I, I, I love it. Um, that's why I like learning other people's music more than writing my own because I'm too undecisive to write my own thing. I wouldn't know where I'm going with it. I wouldn't even know how to say that's how that should go. But if mm. something's already written, I know how to make it sound like that. Yeah. I know how to learn that and uh, get it to that point. Yeah. All right. So tell us about, so so you, you take over as uh, bass duties in Jack the Stripper. Yeah. Yep. And then, so like as an experience, so you get to play with one of your best mates again. Yep. It's pretty wild. Yep. You got people like Luke Frizzon, like swinging off things. And yeah. Met Luke first day of jamming. That was cool. Um, what was that like? He was very... Uh, so I, I was in, not intimidated is the wrong word, but they were, again, they're an established band. They, they established enough to have a sick CD. They're fucking confident in what they're doing. And I'm just this new guy. And they had faith that I'd be able to, in our Adam recommendation. And, you know, they had assumed that I'd be able to play it. But I remember there was kind of just this weird kind of awkwardness. Hey, you know, greeting stuff. We started jamming to the first song. As soon as the song was over, it was just like, it was really good, man. Like, he just this big smile on his face, like trying to be polite, but like, was stoked. Yeah, just quietly, it was like, fuck yeah, we don't have to look any further, I guess. I think that I got that vibe from him. Um, the other guy's cool. Um, definitely a little intimidating being in that band because I was super underweight at the time, just um, not doing anything really with myself. And um, they're a formidable band. 
a physically formidable band. Yeah, that's. I think. There's, there's <laughs> so been... I that alone was like, uh, I got a jamming. I'm like, oh fuck, <laughs> like I think my bass weighs more than me at this point. <laughs> so um, and then they wanted to do this show, the show that, that that band ended up doing all the time. That you probably you know that they almost became infamous for the craziness. Yeah, it's on on stage and. I went, oh shit, I gotta get some energy about me to be able to pull this off every other night, every other week. And what we used to do you, rehearsals and stuff like that too. It was killer. What were your moves like in Jack the Stripper times? Like when you like you weren't throwing your bass around that uh, like, No, because I couldn't really control it that much and tried to keep it under control. I was pretty much I was the one with the hair, so I used it, you know? Mm. Yeah. Um Yeah, I threw it a bit, but not like full. Yeah, people Papa throw, Roach style. Yeah, people throw the bass scare me because that's a fucking heavy instrument. Oh, you know? I love like, those videos on YouTube. People just <laughs> clocking each other in the face. It's like suck shit, you idiot. You you should not. You did not practice that. You had no business even attempting that. And neither did I. So I didn't do it. Smart move on <laughs> yeah. your part. And the stages you're playing, the too small anyway. <laughs> so around that same Jack the Stripper time, that must have coincided with the beginning of Metal Storm. Yeah, man. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. So I had done a filling gig with metal storm um because mick couldn't do a show i think it was legions of steel or something at, at um st kilda uh the SB. and we played the midnight or the yeah twelve thirty slot the closing slot um that was heaps of fun i think prezzo was playing drums at the time as well so that was that was that was cool um but that was like a year before or something like that there was and a big gap oh. and I just it was just a fill-in show, show for with Metal Storm yeah so how did you get the call up for the Metal Storm gig have you just got this reputation at this oh, point I knew Cam I knew Cam and um, I feel like I, my timeline's all shot but I feel like I knew Mika easily by then as well but I think I knew I knew Mika from headbanging next to him at Electric Dynamite shows yeah. <laughs> I knew Cam from yeah like uh, just you know just everyone in Melbourne seems to know everyone especially Cam so um yeah, he used what he knew and needed a bass player fill-in, so they called me up, and it was great. And um, same thing happened a bit later on when they had uh, uh, that next issue, not issue, but like Mick left the band, and um, they wanted to make that transition from Metal Storm to something else. I don't think they quite knew what it was yet, but it was Metal Storm for a while. Yeah. But they knew they were going to write some slightly different stuff, and yeah, it seemed like an obvious choice, I guess, for them to call me up. And I didn't hesitate. That's funny the same week so it's 2013 i think somewhere in there i got a phone call from cam and julian i think on one was a tuesday and one was a thursday so i joined both bands in the same week (laughs) 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 yeah yeah punishing yeah yeah Hmm. so okay so at this point so would you say this was about 2013 you reckon i think so yeah so you're just in jack the stripper and metal storm soon to be blackhound yep and then when did Hadel Moore come into it? Because that would have been around about the same time, wouldn't it? No, was that, that was years later. Uh, that was after um, stop playing with Jack the Stripper. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then when when did when did Jack the Stripper end? What year was that? Two thousand sixteen. Oh, right. Yeah. So okay, so you you weren't in three intense bands. You were in two intense bands. Two and a half. I was playing in a band called Iscariot. <laughs> I think we started jamming in two thousand fourteen. Um, some other old mates of mine from back down the peninsula way as well um, had this band from a few years before that, I think, and didn't really do too much. They wrote some sick music um, and then kind of wanted to start doing more. And uh, I wasn't doing particularly much at that point. I, I can't remember if it was before or after Jack Stripper and Metal Storm. It makes it sound like it was before because you wouldn't say yes to this if you had those two. Yeah, I think it was, it was just before though. So I like just got immersed into it and then went... You and know, then you got the I, Tuesday and Thursday calls. Yeah, yeah. So, 
but I managed to pull off three. And I, uh, I think um, uh, the thought process, I guess, was uh, I remember thinking, you know, when, you know, when you don't, you do something for a long time, um, like I guess, you know, maybe you don't, or do you? you don't like this, but when you stop, kind of like right now, what we're going through, when you're not doing it anymore, you start to wonder if uh, you know how good actually are you? Or are you actually meant to be doing this? Like, because I started having doubts. Like all I've done is other people's shit and it's been cool but now i've got to actually like build from nothing again because there's nothing going on mm. but there's always people around me doing cool shit and i've always got an opportunity to, as long as i keep active to get involved again but uh at that point i was thinking you know you're, you're a shit player you don't do anything except other people's stuff and you only ever know one set at a time because i was only ever playing one band at a time and i only know that all i could ever play was that band's music and i remember thinking that was like the start of the whole you know get busy it's go time. I think I was, what's that, 2013. So I was 20, late 20s, mid to late 20s. Thinking, um, you know, get better, get active, get more into it, um, create more opportunities, get proactive is the word. Yeah, right. And so I thought, I started playing more and practicing more anyway, but then all of a sudden, all these bands popped up all of a sudden within a short period of time. And I said yes to everything because um, I figured, hey, if I can pull this off, just get busy and pull it off, then... You're not just playing one band stuff. You're playing three sets at once. And it's all three different types of shit as well. It's all heavy, but it's all um, very different to each other. And uh, it's a challenge, challenge yourself, I guess, was what I thought. And that's why I just kept doing it. Wow. So, yeah, got really busy 2013, 14, 15. <laughs> yeah. Iscari didn't do too much. We did some cool shows, some local shows. It was more fun just jamming with those guys, you know, old mates. They wrote some cool music. Um, check out things on Bandcamp. You should check them out. Um, but... The band technically doesn't it exists because it, it it existed but it doesn't really exist anymore at the moment maybe one day we'll jam again you can just say like is inactive a good word to say for a band like that over inactive <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um and so when i started playing with jack stripper not long into that luke was uh, at a rehearsal and frizzon was uh talking about his mates they were looking for a drummer and just you know as you do do you know any drummers and i went actually i I do know a drummer he's not doing much and i'm pretty sure he wants to start playing lots as well because see him all the time at gigs and hang out and that was dan and uh he was talking about the Thunderboys. so that's how so yeah jam with jack stripper created that conversation which then led dan to start playing with the Thunder guys and he's you know, they're kicking ass they're, what a solid band it's excellent so that's how band worlds really work you know like everyone just you, you, who you know and who knows you yeah yeah Wow. Okay. So there's a there's a crazy period of time for you where you're playing lots of shows. Mm -hmm. I remember specifically like you like play a Jack the Stripper set and then be like completely sweaty and then like go off for a bit and then like change a shirt and go on and play like a Black Elm show or a Metal Storm show whatever uh, they were at the time. Yeah, that, that didn't happen too often though. I think uh, Cam's show that we did that. I yeah. think um, we played sec Black Elm, uh, Metal Storm played second and then Jack the Stripper played straight afterwards. <laughs> yep. Did you get a chance to change your shirt that time or no? No, why would I? It's already wet. <laughs> Had a pierce, got a beer, got back on stage. Um, that was cool. Uh, I think they did like a Bendy Boxing Day show at the Bendy. I remember doing both those bands back to back maybe as well. But I think we'll maybe might have been Black Helm by then. I can't remember. Yeah, but it doesn't. But you haven't played that many nights where you play multiple shows. Not heaps. I've done it, but not not heaps. I feel like I've witnessed a few of them, so I feel like that you're was just my norm. Yeah, you're, you're probably at both of them. Yeah, exactly. I was like, he does it all the time. It's yeah. like, no, nah, it's happened twice. Yeah. So, and then that was that was pretty steady for a while. So Jack Stripper ran for a while, kind of 
at the same time as Metal Storm slash Black yep. Helm. Yep. And then Iscariot's kind of doing a little bit of stuff. Yep. And then I saw at what point... Because then I guess... So when Jack the Stripper ended, which you said was 2016, did you say? Yeah, we worked our asses off for two years, two and a half years straight. And it was go time to make that band do something. And we were getting a m- bit of movement, um, got involved with some promotional people um elliot wild thing was doing some promotional stuff for us and luke was working his ass off getting his um contacts overseas and gigs and we've got this so how we did it i commend him for it and i hope we do it again um he got us a gig at brutal assault 2016 that's czech republic and so we that was like the yeah the top of the mountain thing there was that was something to work for all year um we played a bunch of cool shows support i think we did fear factory and not long after that we did cancer bats and maybe another one somewhere comes to mind that i'm forgetting about um excuse me (laughs) cut that out um and then brutal assault was the yeah we were working towards that so we tried to i think the guys tried to book diy tour around that main gig and we somehow also got uh, a slot at rockstad festival which is in transylvania at the same kind of week a week later or a couple of days later so that I was didn't like even know transylvania was a real place yeah <laughs> like, yeah i thought it was just where vampires lived no if vampires were real they might have lived there it looks like they would have lived there yeah but um yeah beautiful countries um crazy like i've never done anything like that like i'm glad i was an adult when i did that so i could actually realize if i should do it again or not but that was um that tour was played with problems that the band took with them from here mm-hmm. that we should have resolved before we even got on the plane nonetheless the shows were there to play um and it was all diy so what that meant was no nightliner there was no hotels it was only you know um airbnbs and hire cars and stuff which is cool as well we got a lot of downtime the first tour i've ever done where you could do i was like i've done a lot of tours i've done that was the third one or something <laughs> overseas calm down um <laughs> But it was the first one we had time off, you know, you play a show or we'd get there, had a week off and then we played. And I remember cursing it at the time thinking, I just want to get on, like, with all this effort and now we're in Prague, let's play. And I was, at the end of it, I'm thinking, I'm fucking stoked I had that week off in Prague. That was fucking awesome. So yeah, uh, Brutal Assault was awesome. That was like some of the best time. Uh, bullshit aside, that was fucking unbelievable. So um, yeah, yeah, glad we did it nonetheless. And uh, Rockstar was equally as fun. And we just did a bunch of other shows not that many shows. I think we played like eight shows over the course of the whole four weeks we were in Europe. You know, that wasn't much. Yeah. A lot of downtime for people to kind of get in each other's faces about things. And also that's, that's what I was getting to before. So we book a van at the airport to pick it up. We get there. Whatever happened, the van wasn't booked or the van wasn't there. We ended up give, giving like a a little Pugot, a little Peugeot like hatchback um, with, you know, <laughs> three out of five bodybuilders <laughs> and um, me and Adam who are both about six foot as well in his little hatchback with all our gear, IEMs, guitars, backup, a coffin guitar case, if I remember correctly. Um, So we're touring Europe, and after we played uh, Brutal Assault, we drove to Romania to do Rockstad. That was like a 22-hour drive with like gear all over you, and no one wanted to be there. And it was brutal. Luke got food poisoning from eating. Good on you, Luke. You ate, um, what was it? Uh, The special, fish special from the Chinese shop at the side of the highway um, in Romania. (laughs) solid choice and was <laughs> that's why he's vegan now <laughs> maybe but oh man Never like again. poor guy he was in pain man that was like proper food poisoning unstoppable exorcist shit from each end on the side oh, of the highway in romania man. poor guy um i would not have chosen the fish 
just quietly. <laughs> but yeah, anyway, so he was having a miserable time. Um, we just tried to make up for it with partying and you know, getting ourselves in good moods as much as we could. Excellent. It was just a bummer though. It was bittersweet because didn't feel like it was ever going to get, the, the problems were going to get fixed and, and obviously didn't because we didn't play any short shows. We played what was booked when we got back and that was really the end of it, which is a shame because we worked our fucking asses off and I miss playing those shows. It was hard work and I knew I couldn't keep doing it forever. None of us did. We were dying. <laughs> we are running out of cartilage. But, um, Luke's fuck, running was, out of roofs to break. Yeah, skin to slice. It was fucking fun though. Oh, that roof in Taiwan, yeah. Oh, his face. Poor guy. Yeah, took this kid out. And he was fine. He wanted to keep going. He was just holding his head, but he was like still kind of moving the headbang. I didn't really know what he was doing, but Luke's was just like, I'm going to jail. <laughs> because his face was white as a ghost. I'm like, fuck. <laughs> But we got it on. We got the show on. That was, that was that was the hottest show I think I've ever played. Really, Taiwan mid mid monsoon summer deal. Fuck. Forty degrees and humid, humid. Like, yeah, it was yeah, fun. It's fun. Sweat through that shirt for sure. Yeah, yeah. The, the yeah Japan as well was fun on um on the way back. That was the second time we did Japan somewhere early in that. I think the end of two thousand. Oh no, Metal Storm went to Japan. Yeah, end of two thousand thirteen. Sorry, and Jack the Stripper went like the year or six months later did like all the the um the club shows uh that was awesome fun you really got to see japan and then did japan on the way back from europe as well so wow. it was like five weeks straight that was cool yeah i want to go back there real soon yeah that's amazing. it's been ages now so okay so jack the stripper yep s- sadly ends and then you said hadel moore comes after that hmm. so then how did that did you get another call from someone being like hey uh, just we did we did run, run a show i think in hobart or tassie um Hadel and Jack the Stripper at some point before that again it was that same old thing I guess we do some shows with another band and they like what they see and they just hounded me when they knew I was up for grabs I guess <laughs> so I, just, I, I don't know Brenz and um, Nick and Ben Brenz is more direct you know you should join the band you're gonna come you're gonna join the band like just straight up saying I should join the band the other guys were asking politely or I didn't really want to. I couldn't be fucked with another band after all that other shit so I took ages and then um you know fucking just keep working challenge yourself and that shit is difficult yeah <laughs> I was speak, talking of all the bands you're playing that are quite challenging that sounds like mm. this would be pretty like it's very technical it's different again man it's, it's like no one writes music like Nick Rackham and Ben Boyle like Jesus fucking Christ <laughs> I don't know where they get their shit they're like it's like anti-music and they're really good at it and they're like they're world class and um it took me six months to learn one song for eight or more before it, like i had it, it was like a fucking mountain that just kept getting taller as i was learning it and then once i got that first one down it, like it was like a floodgates open i kind of cracked the code and figured out where i where i fit where the, where the sound fit and um but that was that's hard work and still is man like that's months of work to get that set up for Whoa. me yeah and mm-hmm. the, so same as you were talking before when you were talking about how it's like you know you learn a little bit and then you'll learn another bit and then you'll is that the same with Hadel Moore? It's Pretty just, much. Yeah. You just got to get all those pieces yeah. down. Yeah, and they don't really have many repeating parts either. It's not like you're learning no, really. a certain structure. It's kind of just a piece. You just got to remember all the bits in sequence. You can do it all, learn it all once, but you got to learn it. There's all these like inflictions and natural things that Ben would write and they wrote a riff around how he would do a weird kind of bendy pull-off thing. Bend boil, I call him, because everything's <laughs> so bendy. <laughs> but no one plays like that. It's crazy. Um so yeah, it's challenging to play that music. To play bass that band is, is a lot of hard work. Fucking yeah. hell. Yeah, but when when it's on, it's on, you know? Like, 
I remember watching that band before I played with them, thinking, fuck yeah, this, this band sounds huge. Um, and then when you start learning how it all comes, fits together, you're like, oh man, this is so much work. But when it works, when it's on point and rehearsed, um, same as the band, we jam twice a week and that's when a band really hits its stride, I think. You gotta like do it minimum two nights a week <laughs> to be a working band that sounds better than, it sounds like you're you know, up there with the best of them. Fuck, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. All right, so then I guess at this point, from like whatever that was, 2016-ish, 17. Hadel. Yeah, you're doing... Um, definitely, uh, yeah, it was towards the end of 2016 at least. So at that stage, you're just playing in Hadelmore and Black Helm. I think so. So you've pretty much just always got like two or three bands S- on the go. Seemingly, yeah, times. recently. Well, Black Helm is, that's like a forever band now. We're, we're in deep... Um, yeah, you guys are like 10 years in now at this point, right? Like, they, maybe probably, they are originally yeah. from Metal Storm and stuff. But like 2013, I started playing with them consistently. So that's seven years alone. Whoa. 2013? Yeah. 14, maybe, whatever. But yeah, six, seven years. But um, Black Helm, when that made that change to Black Helm, it's like, uh, it's the only, uh, it's the only real group in recent times I can think of, I can really put in a different column as like we're five guys kind of working on something, whether it, who it doesn't matter, like say if Cam's writing all the riffs, but it's all coming together organically at some point And we're at five guys kind of working towards something. We don't even know what it is necessarily, but it's progressing evenly um, as a band. Yeah. And so does that, does it feels, that like kind a, of, feels like a real band. Yeah. So you were talking about that before where like, you know, you felt like you were playing in bands that weren't your bands. Does, mm. does Black Helm feel like your band? It does now. Point? Yeah. Originally I felt like I was stepping in someone else's shoes again, but I was just play- <laughs> love playing with those dudes. And it was heaps of fun. Um, but yeah, getting a chance to make something my own is is the best. Excellent. Yeah. So uh, that'll probably just keep going. We'll be sixty and doing acoustic Black Helm stuff somewhere. And I'll be sixty <laughs> and probably still interviewing you guys on this podcast. Hopefully. So yeah, it'll work out fine. Yeah. And then the last two on this list, so Galaxy and King, oh, yeah. they've been talked about on this podcast before. And from what it sounds like, you got snagged because. Cam joined Galaxy and they're like, yeah, so get Tim as well to play bass. And then you just, was that while you the were Galaxy? recording? Um, so I think Stu was buying a guitar head off Cam um, just randomly. Like Cam put a guitar head up on Marketplace or something and the person who hit him up to buy it was Stu, coincidentally, and Cam ran out of beer and bought the hands. I've got this music I've just done with Joel. Um, and Kim's like, chuck it on, show us what you got. And it was like killer. <laughs> And uh, he's like, I don't know what to do with it. I haven't got a band or anything. I just got it's me and Phil, and I think Joel's gonna play drums. And um, Cam's like, Well, fuck, I'll play it. You know, it's just like <laughs> full fucking oath. I'll do this shit. And uh, just, I think he would. I wasn't there at the time of the conversation, obviously, but I think he would have just gone, We'll get Timbo on, and we'll fucking got a band, you know. <laughs> and I was just kind of volunteered. Um, and then I think like another a night later, Cam's like, Hey, check this out. And do you want to play it? You should play it. Let's, <laughs> let's do it. Like, yeah. And it was of fun. Um, King was more like that, I, th- I think. So I'm not, I wouldn't call myself as part of those bands necessarily. Like I'm not. In the, You're a hired gun in those bands. Hired, not really hired, but like nothing really costs anything to do those bands. A free so gun. It's like a neutral entrance into the band. But um, yeah, Cam was playing bass and King obviously from the, when they started playing shows, and uh, they were four piece. And when they got this new record on the horizon, I guess they started Cam and and Dave um, Hill. Obviously, started thinking about having two guitars live and um just seemed natural just knock on my bedroom because i live with cam everybody by the way for the last three or four years um he just you know like you want to have a crack at this and 
now I've been playing for King. It's just great it's fun. It's it's real natural and easy to play with King actually, yeah. They make it very easy too. Like they make everything super easy. Great dudes. And to play with uh yeah, with Dave and Tonebone and, and other Dave. Uh, just a little guy called Dave Haley. Um <laughs> might have heard of him. That is a kicker, you know, to see bands like Psychroptic when you're you know, younger thing this band shreds and you see them all around or they've constantly been that band that's just killer and uh just jamming with him one day i've known dave for a while now obviously but not in a room with instruments in hand you know playing that, playing to him like was that intimidating to like have you ever been in, in other than like <laughs> I'm, I'm going to assume it was intimidating to play with dave Haley for the first time but are there other band people that you've played with before be like oh i don't i don't know about walking into this room has there ever been that moment um, for you i don't know i don't really would i don't think i get starstruck like that i just didn't want to fuck up yeah exactly you know, they, they practice Dave, you know Dave's got like dave play a lot and so you it, i was looking forward to it more so not as a fanboy kind of thing but more as like this guy's gonna be on the money i'm gonna get real good by playing with him i'm gonna get he's gonna be it's gonna like raise the bar and i'm just gonna have to naturally adapt and i was looking forward to that more than anything yeah and did that happen did you did i think so i started playing with fingers again after i've been playing with the pick for ever live i play with fingers at home all the time um but i never would never get on stage and play and that their music just kind of suits it and i just got i've got the got the chops back from doing that so yeah wow. it's good yeah That's to awesome. an extent obviously <laughs> got to keep practicing <laughs> yeah. That's awesome I, I didn't even like well we've covered all the bands now which makes me feel good yeah I, like, I also like pasta and uh <laughs> movies and um <laughs> well this is what i was gonna say like now that we're now we've covered because i feel like we couldn't do this podcast and not talk about all of that stuff so now that's out of the way yeah. now let's talk about pasta and movies nah let's don't have to i don't really know much about anything else unfortunately come comes back to that there's that like overshadowing thing where you start thinking i should probably learn how to do something else you know in life <laughs> what else do i do and just you become known as that guy, so you just kind of fit those shoes all the time. But you don't really know. Like, I don't know. There's got to be something else. There's, there's, oh, there's always something else. You yeah. Know? And and so I, I haven't thought I had a time to think about it until now. Yeah. Good old pandemic will do that to you. Well, that's that's a that brings into this like kind of next part of this conversation is that you've been a busy guy for these last couple of years playing in multiple bands and was and now no music because mm. of COVID. Like, yeah, what what has happened to a lot of these bands are you still jamming or is there still like no no jamming's going on um working on stuff i've actually i did uh attract all the bass for hayden war ep that they're working on right now um just did four songs that are going to be released i think later this year so that was cool to be creative for a little, for a little bit um uh and then cam and cleary have been jamming every week so there's demos black helm demos coming through and i've just been kind of slowly dipping my toes into those a little bit so that's cool um not much else going on band-wise, no. It's just, just got to keep practicing so you can just start up again. And what's practice now, you know, all these years later after you've, you know, you, you've got your kind of technique down and stuff. So how do you practice now? How do you... Pseudo technique. Um, I <laughs> don't really know. I play, I used to play stuff. I, my, my jamming at home myself was just whatever bands I'm involved in, I'd play those sets. I'd do all, how many bands, I'd do the whole set all of it every night or every other night whatever it might be but that was i'd use one band to warm up for the next then i'd rotate and yeah so um now i probably should be playing all those sets because it's going to take me a fuckload of time to get those back <laughs> up to scratch but i pretty much just put on 
YouTube jams, you know, those bass free jams you can just put on like, um, and just play to a, whatever comes along, just kind of figure out everything and have fun with it. Excellent. Yeah. I don't play metal at home really when I'm fucking around. That makes oh. sense. Like I so just play cruisy stuff, nice sounding things and just try and work on what I would think is technique and shapes and things like that. Trying to actually be a good player, but, um, not really paying attention to what I'm doing either. I'm just kind of cruising and just trying to keep the blood flowing, so to speak. <laughs> yeah. That's great. We've got a couple of ring-in questions oh, yeah? that we want to get to. Get to. So when uh, people were excited you were coming on the show, uh, Matt Cleary asked, why death metal? As opposed to other metal or just in general? Just, just why death metal? Cleary? Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> um, because, uh, it's a good question. Uh, I just evolved to that. Yeah. To like Once you get... Because you can't just, you know how you can't just show someone death metal and expect them to like it. If they don't listen to metal or have any kind of idea, you can't just go, here's, you know, D aside, enjoy, <laughs> yeah, or something like that. You can't do it. Um, it's an evolved taste, I think, death metal. And same with most types of extreme music. You have to evolve to understand what you're listening to, to know why you like it. Yeah. And I like death metal because of, like, it's funny. I love death metal, but I can't play death metal. Like, if I was in a death metal band, I don't think any of my bands I've done would be counted as death metal. Like, retro is probably the closest, obviously, but that's, mm. and it's not easy. But um, uh, I respect the level of commitment it takes to play those songs the way people play death metal. Like Alex Webster, for example, one of my other idols. Holy shit, that guy plays. Like, but the same can be said about John Entwistle from The Who. You know, they play with just as much ferocity. And um, clearly I'm talking about bass players here everybody <laughs> but but like anyone like drummers vocalists like not that i even listen to the lyrics necessarily when i do i usually laugh at them because i i don't care about lyrics i just like the sound of the lyrics mm. um but death metal you know i wouldn't say i'm strictly i'm death metal i like everything but um uh yeah i think once you get once you get to that point it's kind of there's nothing else that comes close to death metal it's just extreme to the point of like this is sick like Everything else kind of doesn't sound as heavy after a while, you know. It took a long time before I even realized what I liked. If I liked metal, someone asked me once upon a time, "What kind of music do you like?" And I had no idea. And I was playing music. I didn't. I was like, "How do I, I don't know? I like everything." I kind of tried to narrow it down. I'm like, "I just like stuff that makes me bang my head. It just makes me kind of, yeah, you know, ACDC, pure example, like just a solid beat and something like that." And then. Yeah, the more you explore death metal, you realize those grooves are all in there and not ACDC grooves necessarily, but like there's grooves in there that you just kind of discover amongst everything. And when you find them, just like, oh, I'm in there. It's like, you know, <laughs> it's great. You know. I reckon that's a good enough answer for Sorry, me. yeah, I'm, ran I'm going. That's I think a that's great. 10 page answer, sorry. Because he was saying that like... Because it's know, sick, mate. In <laughs> we'll, we'll cut that whole bit out and we'll just, we'll just replace <laughs> yeah. it with... Because yeah. it's sick. Next <laughs> yeah. question. Yeah. Um, what else you got? He was saying that because uh, in Black Helm, when there's when there's like a real death metal bit, they'll call that like that's like a Tim bit, you know? Yeah, it's like Timbo's riff. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's, I think um, I think that's more uh, in reference to riffs that like uh, you can windmill to, like that kind of vibe. Oh, one yeah. of those riffs that so like, like Tim's um, gonna love this one. Yeah, because I know I'll just get into it. Like just yeah, I think that's where it came from. Excellent. That's, good. That's a good answer. Um, he would also like to know what band you would like to play in if, uh, you know, like not necessarily like a metal band or whatever, but if you were asked to play in some kind of band, what would it be? Like, is there a, is there a kind of genre or something you want to like, you know, get your... Get I'd your love to... 
I've got a secret desire to do one band I want to do one day. I don't know if I want to play it in someone else's band. I want to do it myself. It's kind of like a Alice in Chains vibe thing, but like on a bit of a heavier side. I've got like a a desire somewhere in the brain. I'll figure it out one day how to write it, but I'm sure the bands already do it too, but like an Alice in Chains, Sepultura, some kind of crossover thing with a lot of toms and a lot of groove. One day I'll get... I'll make it happen. I've got plenty of guys around me that can make that happen. I was so. just about to say. I've actually got a lineup in my head who had a dream lineup. Um, <laughs> so I've just got to learn how to write the songs one day and we'll get it done. This could be the time. You should pump a bunch of Alice in Chains and several Tour right now and like get it going. Yeah, well, that's just eight every other day, you know. Hey. No, there's no point because it doesn't exist. When the band exists, I'll, yeah, we'll get to that. It's just a pipe dream at the moment. So. That's exciting. Yeah. Uh, Luke Frizzon wanted to know, who is your favourite <laughs> 90s action star and why is it Andrew Divoff? <laughs> <laughs> Andrew Divoff, because he's a compassionate human being who makes great jewellery. Uh, <laughs> he's cool. Like, Luke, Luke's a... Yeah, like, I didn't know who... I realised... I didn't know who Andrew... How? I didn't know that I knew who Andrew Divoff was until Luke, you know showed me um and i realized <laughs> oh, he's that guy from all those movies yeah um correct so yeah no he's a he's leading all that charity work and stuff he does but um you i think you guys talked about the jewelry he made for as like a donation thing to the cause of um luke's friends that were yeah. having a bit of hard time yeah so that kind of you know who does that like he's a essentially an a well you know up there hollywood actor whether he's done recent stuff or not he's done big movies you know he's been in the same scenes as harrison ford multiple times you know he's up there he's a big actor and he's just responding to emails to a guy from melbourne about doing a voiceover thing and not taking any money for it what a legend yeah but to the answer is more his question more specifically you can't go past arnold schwarzenegger like <laughs> grew up with arnie i don't give a fuck that's the, that's it yeah he's the man what's like when it comes to arnie what, mm. what are your what are like the top three arnie movies do you have a top three have you thought about this i don't want to put you oh, on the spot yeah, i don't know i'm talking about movie things it's like we need a weekend and I, because I don't even know what my answers are. I haven't really been asked the question. Everyone just knows that it's an interest, I guess. Um, <laughs> top three like, Arnie movies. Yeah, uh, like w- what are your Arnie jams? Like, Predator's what? up there for sure. Absolutely. I've, I, Predator was like the movie for years. I, when I got home pissed from anything, I watched that. <laughs> and everyone knew me for that. I was like, yeah. Um, my mates are old. No, my older mates anyway. They'll know uh, that yeah. you're getting home from a, a like. Is it like pissed? You come home with like some mackers like, or something, and then like yeah. watch Predator. Drop the chips on the way to the couch. Stumbled, <laughs> fucking just like fuck. I, I put it on any state I was in. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, what else? Uh, yeah, they're all good. They're all they're all great. It's true. Yeah, Last There's, Action Hero's got a soft spot for that, even though it's not. Yeah, you know, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> Movies that I you, you watch the kid that initialize you into that kind of world. Of those kind of movies, they're the best. Terminator Two, man, fuck, can't go past it. I know you're a fan. Oh man, it's my it's favorite serious, movie of all time. Absolutely, yeah, it'd be my top, one of my top two. What's What's the other one in your top two? As in number one? Yeah. Also, <laughs> oh, Terminator Two. Isn't this a question in the lightning round that you're going to ask me later? It potentially yes, yeah. it's, but it's what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? It sounds like Predator. <laughs> because you just no, because I would, I would have said that, but I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh. So, I, and I'm probably going to watch it when I get home. Now that we've talked about it so much. Yeah, it's about time. 
So what what movie could I watch? Do you want to ask that question now? Are you asking me what? No, well, you, I just want to know. You were talking about top two movies. You said yeah. Terminator 2 was one of them. What's the other one? I was going to leave you in suspense and we'll oh, get fuck. to it later All on. Right, we'll get to it later. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Luke also wants to know, what's your favorite Adam Harris prank call? The old man. Um, give me my money. <laughs> so <laughs> give, give Adam would just call people up, that random cold call people, and put on this old man voice. Like a deranged, like a, like a someone who doesn't know who he's calling. He thinks he's calling the bank, and he thinks he, they've been they've ripped him off interest or something like that. And he just wants his money. And then, you know how, who, what, and he just constantly goes over and over and over again. It's the best. Is this something that Adam where's, Harris would do quite often? Where's my money? I can't do it with a whistle. Where's my? I can't do it. <laughs> you can't do it when you're smiling. But yeah, get Adam on. He'll do it. Is this something he would do quite often? He'd just I do used to do calls. a lot. It was the best. I loved it. That was the funniest one. But He'd do all sorts. Yeah, yeah. He's... So, you know, when people are bored backstage on a bus, fucking... Wherever you are, you're doing nothing and you get on Facebook or some shit or you do whatever, read something. Adam would just dial eight numbers, whatever number. Just go, I'll pick a number. Just make a phone number up and call it and, yeah, just try on something. He was good. Him and his old, his old mates are great like that. They, yeah, fucking funny cunts. Amazing. <laughs> I also, while we're talking about Luke, I want to talk about Timstagram, which is something that I don't know if you're aware of this. So Luke used to often just like post stuff about you hmm. <laughs> and then hashtag at Timstagram because you don't have Instagram. Yeah. So. I knew, I knew some, um, it makes stupid flyers for Jack the Stripper shows with me in them or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> um, I wonder if they, they're probably still up there, aren't they? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. You can probably search the hashtag Timstagram. No, <laughs> we'll, we'll no I don't have Instagram. I don't, I don't really care. Like I said, I don't, I've got Facebook, but I'm on it more than I want to be. And I've realized that the more I'm on it, the less I need from it. I really only use Facebook to, pu- to post about bands, sh- about shows, merch. I use it as a tool for music stuff. Mm. And um, I don't think there'd be much personal stuff on there. Not, you know, bare minimum, but there wouldn't be much else. Yeah business tool yeah i mean i should probably just make a i'm i think it's pretentious to make an artist page when you're just a guy you know so it's either a band or like just keep doing it for all the bands but you're right it is hard once you get from that stage of being like i should be like a you know instead of liking the page i mean instead of adding friend you like the page as opposed to add the friend Mm. like people move on to that sphere of like facebookdom and it's like whoa that's an intense step yeah i don't think i'm like it's not like it's my full-time job if i was like a pro muso getting paid for doing it i'd probably make that jump but there's no point um but uh uh it's also it's undeniably useful for keeping in touch with people though like not just people you talk to regularly because I probably only talk to the same six people on Messenger. <laughs> <laughs> um, or but like people you know from other tours and guys, just cool people that you want to stay in touch with and see what they're up to. That's it's invaluable to know what people are up to and like um, and stay in touch with people. So that's that's great to use social media like that. But that's about where it stops you know, for me. Yeah, the moment you're like comparing other lives to your own or getting pissed off about something doesn't matter it's like all right that's when it's time to put it down oh, I, I wouldn't get pissed off about something. someone lives in a beach in bali that's they live there now i'm like cool good for you <laughs> like no, i'm not doing anything special obviously but like i wouldn't i don't desire that it's not like i want that you know yeah i say i'm more get interested in like uh it's funny like you what you look at facebook enough in a band sense and you can see not algorithms but um you can see the rollout of content 
and it's like this is like the methodical use for it and yeah. that's why i can just read that like a code almost now you can see all right there's the uh the teaser then there'll be a t-shirt oh look at the t-shirt and cd thing and they roll out oh then there's a video and then there's there's always then there's a couple of interviews and yeah it's just you know you have to do it and so that's something I respect that it but yeah. i i think that because you look at it a little bit further away hmm. you can see that but when you're too close in it you can't see yeah. the forest of the trees you know yeah and having said that i wouldn't if i had a band of my own and i was the guy running the show i wouldn't fucking bother with it i'd get someone else to do it it's too much work cleary's great at it we love you for that cleary all that content <laughs> keep it coming <laughs> All right, that's awesome. All right, you want to move into the lightning round now? Because if we're up I'm, to I'm it. Fuck, I'm, I'm dying to find out what this other fucking movie is, man. It's um, a good one. Give, give us another couple. Of, just while I get up the lightning round questions, tell us some other hot movies that you like. Oh, you you, you managed John Carpenter, yeah? Yeah, 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 for sure. Thing, the thing's great. Um, uh, everyone loves the same movies, though. The Thing, Halloween, and um, Big Trouble, Little China, man. Fuck, classic, you know? Like, I like... What about Ghosts of Mars? You go back to Ghosts of Mars often? Uh, nah. Yeah. Nah. Most things with Ice Cube in them aren't <laughs> that great. In general. Wasn't, wasn't the chick from Species in Ghosts of Mars, Natasha Henstridge? Was that her? Was Maybe. she in that? Maybe, no, yeah. I, I remember seeing it and digging it as like a kid and then watching it again. You're like, that was not good. Yeah. yeah. But a bit Marsy. <laughs> but too Mars. Too Marsy for too me. Too Mars. I wasn't into it. Total Recall is the best movie for, uh, you know, about Mars, that's tip. Correct. <laughs> yeah. You're talking about the Colin Farrell one, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Boy, joke. All right, cool. Ready? Uh, lightning round questions. Analog or digital? Digital. What time did you wake up today? Uh, 10 to 6. Fuck, that's early. Last thing you read? Man, I haven't read anything in a long time. I have... I could read, but <laughs> I don't... Uh, <laughs> it takes me a long time to get through something. I think the last thing I actually read might have been... Uh, it was... Hail to the Chin, Bruce Campbell biography. Oh, I never read yeah, that. Yeah, was it, was oh, it enjoyable? Yeah, it's fun. Yeah, I haven't got around to the second one yet, though. Has he got a second one? Yeah. They're, oh. they're like, they've been there for like 10 years, I think, yeah. Oh. Second one called again? Um, if, chins if Chins could, could talk. Kill, yeah. If Chins could kill or Chins could talk. Yeah, it's one of those. One of the two. Chins could kill, that makes more sense. He loves his chin. Yeah, he's oh. got a mouth. Why would his chin need to talk? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your first memory? Ah. Uh, uh, I don't know if it's my first memory, but I've got an early memory, which is, I don't know what age it was either, but I know I was young, um, like toddlerish, I think. And I remember we're having a Christmas, uh, my dad's side Christmas gathering, uh, Christmas gathering um, at a pub somewhere. And my uncles were playing pool or standing around a pool table at least. And I was, you know, you get the ball and you throw it and it just bounces and whatever. And it went into the hole and I ran around to grab it. And my uncle Ross said, don't stick your hand in there. The uh, the billiard monster will eat it off or something like that. And I remember shitting myself. And then I looked at him. I knew he was like funny Uncle Ross. So I just went, whatever, and stuck my hand in. And as I did, it wasn't even hidden. He just reached out and just grabbed it from the, like, under. Like, I didn't see his hand coming, but and it scared the fuck out of me. And, um, yeah, I know I was young. I just don't know if that was my first memory, but I remember that. That was fun. Have you ever been able to go back to a pool table since? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that had no effect on me at all. <laughs> Good to know. It just scared me for the moment. Are you tea or a coffee guy? Um, coffee in the AM and tea in the PM. Mm. <laughs> Last thing you cooked? Good question. Uh, I think it was like a 
chicken Mongolian stir fry. Mongolian chicken stir fry. Mm. Yeah. If you were reborn, who or what would you oh. like to be? I have no idea. Someone more efficient at everything. <laughs> <laughs> like a robot. Yeah, maybe. No, I, I don't know. What if you put your consciousness into like a bass playing robot? No, nah, probably if I was going to be reborn, I'd probably go try something different. <laughs> you know, somewhere. there's got to be other shit out there to do. <laughs> uh, I don't know who, who I'd want to be. I don't think I'd want to be anyone in particular. Just What about an animal? People pick animals a lot. Do you have any animals you have an affinity for that you want to like be reborn oh, as an animal? What's top of the food chain out there? <laughs> something that doesn't really fear much and just does whatever it wants. Yeah. It's pretty good, actually. A lot of people say birds, but it's like, I don't know, you're prone to a lot of things when you're oh, a bird, you know? I don't know if you're a wedged-out eagle. Mm. You fucking pretty much just kick ass and eat rabbits. <laughs> That's a funny Have you seen a wedged-out eagle up close? Like, there's one near where I work. Uh, there's like three of them. I think it must be a family, I guess. But I was sitting on the fence not far away from where I was working. I do landscaping shit for all sorts of things. But um, it was probably 20 meters from me. And this thing was the size of a golden retriever. Whoa. Sitting on the fence. It's massive. Like up close, you don't realize. In the sky, they're big. But when they're there, just chilling, looking straight at you or whatever, like they are big birds, man. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. There you go. Wedge tail. Okay, okay. Yeah, why not? We have one of them. We'll add some wedge tail eagle footage to the YouTube playlist. People can just like in mix. It should be a band called these. the Wedge Tailed Eagles. <laughs> that could be, you know, that could be this dream project of yours. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what inspires you? Um, other people doing things really well. So like, um, people, uh, people that have clearly put time and thought and process and practice into what they do. That's inspiring. Like they made that the priority. Mm. Yep. Uh, last record you played. Um, I've been smashing two records this week. Um, the last one I played literally like on the way here, probably the third time I listened to it today. It was the first Ramstein album, actually. Oh, yeah, called, dude. Um, uh, Hurts a Lied. Yes, yeah, something like that, yeah. And it's sick because I was watching um, Lost Highway a few months ago and that, what a great soundtrack. And there's this sick riff just came on, like this whole moment of like some realisation going, the guy going through or something and this brutal riff came on and it was just like, who is this? I shazammed it. I used Shazam a lot. And I find so much cool music with it. Shazammed it. And it's Ramstein by Ramstein. Like, fucking awesome. Oh, so, yeah. That's a sick song, man, dude. it's so cool. That whole album is good. I was su- pleasantly surprised when the whole album was good because I never really cared. I never listened to Ramstein, uh, you, know, you know, the popular songs. The newest album's fun, but it's not... That, that first album is unreal. For 1995, it's cool. Um, so I've been smashing that a lot because I'm just in the zone for that. And uh, an honorable mention to um, this band Justice for the Damned from Sydney. Their new album, Pain is Power. I've been loving it. That came Kick out us. like last two Friday? weeks ago. Yeah, maybe, yeah, yeah, it's great. I love it. It's those guys. What a good band! They're like, um, they're on point as a band, Sick. fucking in every way. Uh, favorite piece of musical equipment? Um, why wouldn't it be the bass guitar? <laughs> <laughs> do you oh. have Do you have a favorite bass guitar? Like of all, the new one I got is pretty good. It's the easy, easily the most fun to play, and it just has that natural sound that you're trying to get. Spent all. It's like 20 years trying to make this natural sound that this one does. So it's cool. It's Jericho. Um, it's like a boutique thing from America. Um, not that it's anything special. You can just buy one if you want. But it's, um, yeah, it just naturally sounds really good. Plays really well. I love it. Great. Last movie you saw? L- Lethal Weapon 2. Oh, whoa. Yeah, I watched it last night. 
classic it's still awesome slightly racist <laughs> so was the first one poor mel gibson if you're right i guess yeah yeah he's he's what he, he is who he is he is who he is but he didn't write those movies it's not like, like the movies aren't racist because mel gibson he just happens to be also slightly racist in general <laughs> Just an Aussie country is, boy. <laughs> is the South Africans the bad guy and yeah. bad guys in the second yeah. one? Yeah, because the timely when it was what was it ninety ninety one ninety ninety yeah ninety ninety I think apartheid oh. style. Yeah, that was that was big in the world back then. Mm. Um, good bad guys, good movie. Yeah. Oh, dude, best. And mm. I love how they like they tie in like the the tragedy from the first one to the second one as well. Yeah, like, I was reading about about it. Like the the script that they were gonna do was actually way more darker. It was just like like Riggs dies and um, way more brutal, like a proper like violent movie. And then they scrapped nearly all of it. And I think when they tear the house down is like the only part that made it from the original script. No way. Yeah, everything else was made way more comedy and stuff in it. That makes sense because, you know, when they have the Lethal Weapon ride at Movie World, like, they, you can't yeah. be taking that too dark because kids ride that ride, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they, got, they got business to offer. I wish I rode that ride. Does that still exist? Yeah, now it's an Arkham VR oh, ride. Cool. So yeah, it's so the same ride, but you put goggles on and it's like all Batman. That's not the same ride then. The, the VR one, I'll say, hang on. So you put VR goggles on and you're on a roller coaster. Yeah. But you're not seeing anything. Well, you can opt to not, you have to pay like a little bit. <laughs> Of course you now, do. Now listeners, I remember that, that Batman ride back in the day where you get in the the, the cart and they it's like the virtual reality thing, but on the screen. Yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The, Tim, the Batman Returns ride. That was cool. That was the only thing I ever really went on when I went to Movie World as a kid. But the, the Lethal Weapon, I wish I did, but I was terrified. I could I, never go on those ones. First time I went to Queensland as a, as a child with like as a family holiday, I was mm. too short to ride like pretty much all the rides. And then I went back with a vengeance at like about age 20 and just did everything. <laughs> yeah. And then we went just like... I think it was last year, like me and a couple of buddies all went up there and um, for my friend Tom's birthday. What up, Tom? And then we, uh, yeah, and we did all the movie world shit and I was like, man, this is great, but not as great as it is. You know, when you build it up in your mind, it's like, yeah. yeah, theme parks are great. Probably should have done it when I was eight. Yeah. yeah. It might have been a bit more, yeah. Would have had more oomph. But yeah, the Lethal Weapon is now called the Arkham VR experience oh, and cool. you can pay a little bit extra and they put a headset on you. And then... You get like gassed with Scarecrow's fear toxin from like the Arkham games, and then you get like you're flying around in Gotham essentially. So but- do you see the like Queensland? Or do you see like all <laughs> digital stuff? Yeah, it's all digital stuff. No, so if you, well, why am I going? Well, I guess you could, you know, you could do the other rides. They've got that new oh, one. Yeah, of course. I mean, why am I getting on that ride? Of course, you can do other rides. <laughs> because it's the lead the weapon. That's like, weird though. That's boring. like, it's like going to the park and watching TV. Yeah, but it's pretty intense because you're flying around this like big digital Gotham in oh, the, and it's like launching around. Sick. It's not like... So you feel the G-Force while you're watching TV? Yeah, okay. kind of. I don't know. I did both because you could pay extra to get the goggles on. I'm like, you better believe I'm wearing the goggles. And yeah. there's like, I think either Scarecrow Fucking or Earth Killer Croc. Batman. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and he becomes massive because you're, you're, all, you're all gassed out from the fear toxins. So oh, yeah, it's all, so it's over exactly. Yeah, so yeah, like you. I think Scarecrow is yeah. like massive. And he's towering over buildings. And he like swoops at you with his hands while you're trying to... And then as it swings around, like I think it's all built to go with the same right. track of the... I'll yeah. have to go try it. It's pretty well. 2025 when it opens. <laughs> uh, who do you love? Everybody. That's a great answer. Um, do you have any pets? No, not currently. No. no, I've never had a person pet. Family pets from back in you know, over the years, but no, not personally. Uh, are you useful? Yep, definitely. <laughs> never heard someone so sure. Yes, definitely. Wow. People are like, oh, I don't know. It's like, yeah, every, yeah, you're useful. Totally. Are. What's your biggest fear? Um, oh, 
deep, hey? Uh, biggest fear. I think this is coming too. I should have really thought about this. <laughs> um, wasting life. Even though I feel like I do it a lot because I'm just burnt out a lot. And I look forward to doing nothing a lot. I wish I was using every single minute. Oh, man. that's And it's always a regret when I did nothing last night. But I needed to because I couldn't fucking keep my eyes open. Correct. I wish I was being... I'm sure I was doing something. This is a hard thing that I think a lot of people are probably going through in COVID times where it's like, oh man, I want to be working on that thing. I want to be doing this thing. Mm. But like, I don't know, maybe it's, there's that little push pull of maybe it is nice to have some time off. But then it's also like, yeah, you just got to try and compartmentalize that guilt. You got to learn to be creative and you got to like, Cam's excellent at it. He, that guy barely sleeps. He just has so many things going on all the time and he keeps being, he's so like a total respect for that. Um, But, like I'm not that guy. I can't. I can't just constantly do things. I need to rest, and I need to. Otherwise, I just my brain won't work. Um, let alone my body. So, yeah. But I, that's a regret, I suppose. I think if I look at the end of life and I look back, I'm like, I wish I just did more in general. But then, is it worth doing more if you're just like completely, you know, going through life? Depends like what you're doing, life. obviously. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, you got to have time to reflect on things, but it's good to have things to to reflect on. Mm. It's cryptic. Mm. Yeah, it was like very that. nice. Yeah. Um, what do you value the most? Um, what do I value the most? Time. Time. <laughs> <laughs> A bit far away from the mic then. Um, I think I think time because with time you can do everything. Yeah. it's a great answer. Um can you do any voices or accent? Nah, clearly I attempted Adam's voice before. I can't do that. You did get I? the whistle though. I'm oh never- man, when, when you when you get it practiced, it's killer. But um, get that high that whistle. It's like the old guy from Family Guy. Yeah, that whistle, that voice, almost exactly that voice, but more Aussie. <laughs> That's fucking awesome. But uh, no, I don't do any voices. I'm I, I yeah, no, I can't think of anything I can do. Sorry. That's totally fine. Mm. Uh, anime or Disney? Nah. You don't do either. Not really. I mean. Animated, movies, DC animated. I'm definitely not an anime guy. So by default, Disney. But like a lot of Disney make, I own everything. So I'm sure there's stuff I like that Disney own. Correct. But uh, yeah. Never. Got some fingers in some dirty pies. Uh, Star Wars or Star Trek? Um, not really either either. Sorry to be boring. It's probably the... What about... The, I mean, I've seen all the Star Wars. I've, I like Star Trek. I like Star Trek Generations, that movie. Mm. I remember seeing that thinking, that's cool. They kind of did the crossover thing. Yeah. yeah. That's like... That's old now, isn't it? Yeah. It's like 90s. Yeah. Or two, early 2000s, maybe. Well, because they, they, once they got past... Once they were doing the next-gen cast, they did a couple of movies of them, and that would have been like yeah. mid-90s. Yeah. Having said that, though, like, I'm not versed to sci-fi by any means at all. I just spent... Like, I've just wasted three months of my life watching Stargate SG-1 because it's oh, just like going to sleep in half an hour, put this on till I fall asleep. I'm up to like season nine. <laughs> just just keep putting it on. But do you, do you feel like... And it just got real shit, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert, don't bother finishing it. Yeah, dude, I, um, I, I think I got to the end back when it was on, but I haven't gone back. But I remember being like, man, all that crazy shit that goes on towards those last seasons. I was like, man, that's pretty whack. Yeah, yeah. Up to, and his, end of season eight was good enough and then since then it's just been i don't care anymore like <laughs> probably should have just stopped it there everyone <laughs> but that's what you do and you just you know 
Can we squeeze some more money out of this? Oh, Are you no, tempted to do like Atlantis or Universe or any of the other? I was until I started what I'm up to, and I'm probably just going to move on to something else. I'm to. I started watching um, Project Blue Book season two. What's that? Uh, it's like a, <laughs> a dramatization excited. series of um, Dr. Alan Hynek uh, from Project Blue Book, who um, he's the kind of guy that invented the classifications of UFO abduction, uh, sightings and abductions and stuff like that. You know, close encounters and so on. Makes sense now why Mal's got so excited in the corner. Oh yeah, it's about you. Should have known. We need to have a proper powwow. Like this is a, a it's a secret hobby, um, and kind of one of the things that yeah I need to spend more time on. I wish I, I probably should find more people who are like minded and actually just getting into it. Like Mal, you need to yeah. ha- hang out and have some UFO talk meetings. Yeah, well, just. Have you heard this new thing that I found out about today that they're like they're trying to throw a satellite at a impending asteroid or something? The fuck are you talking about? This is this is no shit. I'm gonna like, we only had a Jamie right now to look this up, but I read an article today that there's like supposedly asteroids heading for like Earth. I heard this from uh, from a work colleague's mother, and uh, she was saying that yeah, that these asteroids coming, and they're like, oh, we're gonna get one of these satellites to, like bounce off and try and like deflect it as a test because it's not gonna hit us, but we're just testing to see if we could do that in future. It's You're like, not gonna be able to do that with anything that's coming towards Earth at however many millions of kilometers an hour. Yeah, good luck unless you've and got. Then, <laughs> and then it got it picked up in the news because Bruce Willis, someone must have tweeted at him or something because of like Armageddon. You can't like, talk about it uh, like a conspiracy theory or not conspiracy but any kind of otherworldly theory and add a, a hollywood name as soon as you do that i just don't it's out the window mate Remember, he's i know he's, le- pe- he's people too he might be legitimizing this whole thing that they're anyway look it up man we'll, we'll look at it after the show it's crazy. all right um so we're gonna say stargate slash anything ufo uh, is, is is out of star trek and star wars yeah um yeah real world sci-fi i'm more interested in hard sci-fi real world real things that could be happening <laughs> What about Autobots or Decepticons? You Transformers guy back in the day? Yeah, as a kid, yeah. Um, I'll go Autobots, Optimus Prime. Fuck yeah. Uh, are you more of a Batman or a Robin? I'm a Batman. Yeah? Yeah. Why is that? I love I how like, you said that so glumly. Uh, no, only because it's, it, it's, it's a childish question, but I love it because I love Batman shit's cool. But I haven't really ever grown out of Batman stuff, so I love it. But um, Batman, because he's just five steps ahead of everything all the time he's a fucking thinker and plans and he's got it yeah he's in control yeah i like that a lot um who's your favorite ninja turtle leonardo whoa that's not often you hear leonardo you know what? i don't think anyone else has said that by the way and i didn't choose that because of that reason i choose it again because he's the fucking dude in charge <laughs> you know everyone turns to him what do we do well i've got yeah. two swords we'll figure it out yeah two swords exactly it's pretty wild yeah I'm glad you said that. Yeah, there's a lot of Raphaels get brought up, a lot of Michelangelos. Everyone's trying to be cool badasses. Yeah. Not you, though. You're just just nerdy swords. guy in charge. <laughs> <laughs> Getting shit done. All right, what movie could you watch every day and not get sick of? This is killing me now. I want to know. What, what, what are you talking? Ghostbusters, man. Oh. It's like, they're my favorite forever. I put that on, and it's like the first time I've watched it every time. Those guys, like, I wish I was 30 years older than I actually am, so I grew up with that shit. I did grow up with that shit, but like, post you know obviously and what, what else fits into that camp like bill murray movies and dan like- Aykroyd, like what a what a genius um yeah those that era the snl vibe era john candies and all that kind of stuff everyone's favorites um but who, what else is in that era like uh, chevy chase as well or did you do yeah not so much but he's i think he's hilarious but it's not really his movies weren't really my go-to there was always ghostbusters groundhog day planes trans and automobiles steve martin's also a legend yeah a, sick. A favorite of mine um 
yeah that era of movies you know that um all through the 80s and early 90s kind of everything those guys did like the era of that era of movies is great in general you get action movies and all that kind of stuff but the shit that those guys did is timeless yeah Ghostbusters, yeah it looks dated but that's what's cool about it um but it's just unique as well <laughs> yeah what else is like ghostbusters nothing's like ghostbusters no and what are your thoughts on this uh new reboot that's coming out with the kid from oh, stranger things i'm and- interested i'm interested how'd you go with the all girl one uh i watched it same yeah i watched it i think the video game was better the one they made a few years before that oh but, i never uh, played the video game yeah it was meant to be the third movie they rewrote they kind of revamped the script that was going to be done as a third movie in the 90s and made it into a video game like 20 years later whoa yeah it's worth it, it cool yeah it's good did anyone come back to do the voices all of them really oh yeah it's full cast written by dan Aykroyd. it's everything whoa yeah, even I... rich atherton's in it what yeah. i have to look that shit up it's man good. i remember because it was a top downy and you could do like with your mates and you could no, all... that's the kitty one no it's oh. like a it's like a shooter i don't know what you call them but you've got the guy on the screen and you're running around as a pack yeah Sick. it's like it's like you control one, one at the, a time yeah I think. yeah oh, fuck that's awesome yeah um what country do you want to visit the most um i want to spend more time in like certain parts of europe i think like i've been to europe a couple of times but only spent like a day there at most you know prague was awesome but i think Swit- uh, switzerland was actually amazing too but uh sweden and norway vibe is where i want to check out a bit more yeah that'd be cool i spent i lived in england uh when i was a kid for i can't remember how long i lived overseas for a lot of years really yeah at what age were you when when did this happen um i think i was like from when i was like six to ten we lived in dubai for like three years and then uh london and somewhere in italy um and uh yeah then came back dad was working obviously over there Similar, who did you have on last time? Um, Miles Brown. Yeah, his, was his, I remember hearing that and thinking, hey, that's not, that's probably a couple of years before we were there Yeah, as well. he, was, he was saying he was in Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia. Yeah, so yeah. probably could have been Dubai as well. Is that the same place? I think it's, sorry my, for my ignorance, everybody. But yeah, um, doing a similar thing. Dad was a civil engineer. Um, wow. He, yeah, so doing all the waterways and planning and stuff like that, risk assessment, I think. <laughs> that's wild. Yeah. Um, what was the first MA 15 plus movie you ever saw? Oh, shit. This is the Patreon super question from Mac Leary. Cleary, yeah. Um, I'm going to have to sign up now so I can come up with my own question. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good question. I don't know. I guess how old would I have been when I accidentally watched a movie that I shouldn't have? Um, I think it was The Getaway. I remember this movie because you don't forget Kim Basinger fully nude when you're like nine years old no you were 10 years old or whatever it was <laughs> it's like a late night movie and i shouldn't have been watching tv but i remember that movie i remember it had some effect so i think that might have been it the getaway good movie um that or like starship troopers or something i think i convinced dad to take me and my mate to see starship troopers that and had no idea how brutal it was we were 11 and dad just like dad's like what the <laughs> yeah yeah, I remember seeing Starship Troopers with a buddy like when I was probably about 12 or 13. And you're like, yeah, this is like, it looks fine on the front cover, but mm, then you're like, Colourful oh, and nah. fun. Yeah. yeah, and there's Diddy straight away. <laughs> <laughs> I remember my dad going, oh, <laughs> like in the movie, like two 11-year-old boys and he would have felt, yeah, because my dad's super like conservative, gentle, lovely guy and he would have just been embarrassed, I reckon. <laughs> That's awesome. And famous last words. Um, I don't know what that would be if I was about to die or anything like that but a motto I've always liked is um, 
it's always better to regret something you did than something you didn't do. That's I remember hearing that years ago and I like that. So that's my answer. And it yeah. seems to explain why you've lived the say, life that you've... Say yes to everything in summary. Yeah. And just see where it goes. Yeah. It's awesome. Yeah. And it's led you to this podcast room right now. Yeah. Here so, I am. So thanks for coming on the show, Tim. Thanks for getting me in here, mate. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, I don't know. What should we, like, should we plug anything? There's nothing really to plug at the moment. Like, yeah, nothing to plug. Um, but uh, I'm sure there'll be... Any, like, we're probably going to triple the playlist. You might be going to have them on the run at the moment with the shit we could probably put on there. Yeah, there's going to be some... Uh, Mal's been keeping notes as a great producer in the corner there, so mm-hmm. it's going to be a great YouTube playlist. Make sure you go tune in and check that out, guys, and yeah. uh, watch all the shit we've just talked about. Yeah, yeah. I wish I had something else to really talk about, but um, I guess that's why I'm here, talk about the band stuff, so... And it was also just lovely yeah. for you to come and connect. Oh, it's been great to see you guys again. You were like a, the center of a web of this podcast so far. Like mm. pretty much everyone that's been on the show or around the show oh. has some connection back to you. It's funny when, when you did happen to, when I, my name popped up, I always think, oh, fuck. Like, what are you going to talk about? What have I said? What have I done? I didn't know what was going to happen. I think it was all, nearly always good. <laughs> nearly <laughs> always good. <laughs> that's all I can hope for, mate. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the show. Thanks for having me. Hey, welcome to the Post Ramble. Uh, don't have all that much to talk about this week, except I've been listening to lots of Ramstein since Tim mentioned that he was really into that first album. I'm like, yeah, fuck yeah, that's sweet. I'm going to go back to Ramstein, relive grade five days. And uh, we've also, off mic, we had a, a lovely chat with Tim, didn't we? We did. Yeah, we uh, yeah, we really delved into, you know, UFOs and stuff, which is a <laughs> subject we're both very passionate about. Yeah, and now I guess I've been roped into this now as well. We got given a couple of good recommendations for some stuff from Tim. Kind of throwing you under the bus here, mate, if you didn't want to know. If people, I guess if people didn't want you to know you were a conspiracy dude, tinfoil hat wearer, like like some of us, some of the listeners might Probably be, doesn't but. like to, you know, label himself that way, but <laughs> you've just done it, so. <laughs> I've thrown Tim under the bus. He's given us some cool stuff to watch and uh, we're going to throw that in the YouTube playlist as well. Uh, there was some pretty cool, pretty cool alien docos and a bit of Hollywood epstein conspiracy stuff as well. So if you guys are interested in that, you know, strap in for a longer YouTube playlist than <laughs> usual. I think the runtime is going to go long, but yeah, good times. Um, good episode. You can check out the Instagram at FuckYouTarotLady, which I'm really starting to regret having fuck in the name because I can't Instagram advertise and I'm like... There's some good episodes we've been doing lately. We should be doing some sponsored posts to like post about this so people can see it that aren't the direct friends of mine who are listening. Thanks, friends, listening to this show. Um, so maybe have to change the name because Instagram will not let me advertise if I have fuck in the title. So that was pretty dumb, Rory, thinking about that uh, in hindsight. It's maybe. not dumb of you. It's dumb of fucking Instagram. <laughs> Is it? Yeah. There are guidelines, you know? They're trying to keep it safe for the kids. They don't want to be seeing fuck in the I don't know well you know maybe they should have a fucking kids version they probably already do I don't even know yeah I don't know but I feel like the artwork's getting real cool and it's like oh, I really want to be like doing some sponsored posts I'm seeing so many random sponsored posts for sure on Instagram it's like alright I don't know if this necessarily needs to be sponsored but like the artwork on the podcast is like it's sick Thanks, Brother Gus, for sorting that out. But anyway, you can you can like or follow Afokitara Lady on uh, Instagram and Facebook. You can also follow the link in the description for the Patreon where you can uh, support the show and also ask your own quickfire questions because I'd like to see more of those grow as they go. So I hope you're all having a great week and uh, see you very soon for the next one. <laughs>